Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuckocrats? What the fuck? How's it going with you guys? I got back from uh, Salt Lake City this morning and uh, I had a great time. Had great shows. Wise Guys is a good club. Keith, the guy who runs and owns the place, a good guy, is all solid. Crowds are great. I've been to Utah many times. I like Utah. I, I don't know why. There's no place like Utah. There's no place like Salt Lake. And every time I'm, I'm captivated and mystified because it's, it's very pleasant, but very weird. Like when people ask, what's it like? What's Salt Lake City like? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. No place to compare it to. It's very pleasant and very odd. And we all know why. It was a city built by a relatively new religion, religiously speaking. It's a new one, new franchise, exciting new offshoot. Joe Smith went up into the mountains, came back with some ideas, some visions to to make Jesus American, to, to Americanize the Jesus and it took i you, who knows so they set up shop in utah and they built a, they built their their little cozy theocracy there and i uh, i like it i like it i'm a bit fascinated i'm a bit fascinated and who am i necessarily to judge the faithful and those with hope when i don't have anything in place but hopefully coffee works in the morning. Hopefully something will keep me afloat. Good sense of uh, being grounded in my body and in my jobs and in my uh, creativity. That's what I'm banking on. I got no big system that cost me 10% of my jack on a yearly basis. Something's costing me money, but it ain't that. But anyway, did I mention James Brooks is on the show today? The Honorable James L. Brooks, amazing creator, career in show business. He was uh, yeah, created the uh, Mary Tyler Moore Show, Taxi, The Simpsons, directed and wrote Terms of Endearment, Broadcast News, As Good As It Gets, 
The guy is uh, uh, an, an innovator in television, a, a mold breaker. One of the greats. Also did some uh, great cameo in um, Modern Romance with Albert Brooks. I, I cannot say enough about James L. Brooks. I had a wonderful conversation with him. I do want to tell you the tale, the tale of the... Um, the baby, the baby tale from uh, Marin from the and thank you so much for all the amazing positive feedback on the uh, the last season of Marin and the finale of the season and finale of uh, of the uh, the show itself. Just really, people are really getting it, and we I put a lot of effort into you know balancing that last episode. I did write that one. I didn't direct it, but I was certainly up the director's ass a bit, specifically about that last shot. Well, here's the deal. In the uh, finale, I, I have to tell you that there were three babies and you only need two. And it was not a comfortable situation. It was not what happened. Here's what happens. We needed a baby and I needed the baby to at least pass as something that could come out of a union between me and the woman in the show. Anna Kunkel, who did a great job. but So it had to look like our baby. Had to. So you end up during casting, you know, like, you know, you, I go through stuff and then the casting agent sends us stuff. When you're dealing with an eight-month-old, you don't, it doesn't need to be that specific. You just need to get, you know, babies. You need babies. And, well... I had other things going on, so I left it to my showrunners. I left, you know, they showed me a few pictures, you know, uh, of babies that were on the computer, on the site, babies that had dark hair and looked like they they might be me or might be, you know, my kid. And, you know, I let them cast a baby. I okayed a bunch of possibilities, and that was that. The day we're shooting the finale, and look, man, that shooting schedule, I it, it is tough yeah i mean it's quick you don't have time for rehearsals you got to just shoot 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 to make your day and get everything in without going overtime too much we rarely went overtime but i'm in every scene i'm i'm preparing and i i'm i'm off set and i'm on uh i'm in my trailer i'm getting makeup and going over the lines and they take me to set and the first scene that we shot if you watch the finale was me in my trailer with binoculars looking at shay played by anna conkle and her mom uh, and the baby, you know, Shay is leaving, giving the baby to her mother. And there's that scene where she's getting in the truck, in the van with her friends. That's the first time I see the baby, literally through binoculars that we cast. And I felt like something was up. I wasn't sure, you know, I'm like, could that be my baby? I don't know. It's still pretty far away. And, uh, and, and I don't meet the baby. I don't meet the mother. I just go start rehearsing for my next shit because I'm not, you know, I'm not in a scene with them. And then the next scene that we shoot is the scene where I'm having the conversation with Shay at the table and her mother walks in with the baby and I have that exchange with the baby and it's a pretty powerful scene. It's an important scene. Now, Rob Cohen's directing, uh, showrunner Siva Glarum is out, uh, out at the video village. Everyone's around watching this writers and then they bring the baby in and, and, you know, I'm doing the scene and the grandmother walks in holding the baby and this is the first time I'm seeing the baby up close. And, uh, and it's, a, it's, it's a little awkward because the, the baby 
is is definitely not white. And I was like, because I don't want to be inappropriate. I, I don't want to feel, you know, like I'm, you know, racist, I guess, in this way. But I, I went up to Rob Cohen, the director. I said, is that baby reading correctly? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the baby's dark, but I mean, you're Jewish and that happens. A lot of Jewish babies, you know, are, are dark when they're born. And I'm like, but, you know, I don't, is it? Okay. All right. And then I go out to to Sievert and, uh, and I say, is that baby? I mean, does it look all right? And Sievert's like, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Be fine. And I'm like, okay. And it's just, and I'm not a prima donna and I'm not, you know, I don't put my foot down much, but you know, something wasn't quite right with me, you know? And then we do the scene again and, you know, I'm holding the baby and I'm like, you know, this baby is, it's a, the baby's has black features and, you know, it's not, it, it's just, it doesn't, it was a very difficult thing for me because, because I knew Look, I don't want to. I, yeah, I want people to work. I certainly want babies to work, and you know, I don't want to be weird. But this baby looked ethnic, looked black, looked light skinned black, and I and I and I just was because I thought to myself, well, that's okay. But then it would have it would imply a completely different thing. There would be another layer of of mystery or meaning to it. Or something arty, and that was not what I wanted out of the finale of my show. This is my script. It's my decision. It's my show, ultimately. And I went up to Rob again, I think, and I said, I don't know, man. That baby, it, it doesn't look black to you? I mean, you know, I don't want to be a dick here, but I I, I mean, this baby's got to look a little like my baby. And the funny thing was is that they knew but they just kept trying to rationalize because they didn't, you know, we didn't want to lose the day of shooting. We didn't want, there was a lot at risk. So they were willing on some level, if I would just go along with it to just kind of like, yeah, it'd be all right. And if it's a very awkward situation, but you know, come take three and I'm holding this baby and I'm like, dude, you know, you got to do something. This is the finale of the show. This is not supposed to be an art film. This is supposed to be pretty specific. One of the parts of the, the 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 narrative is not for people to go like, wait a minute, where's that baby from? So I went out and I said, Siva, we we can't we can't do it. I can't do it, and I felt bad. But it was a casting decision, and we had to we had to get another baby. I mean, that baby got paid for the work that it was contracted to do. And the mother, I, I don't know what she was told, but apparently after the fact, they told me that, um, they, these two babies, you have to have twins were, uh, 50% Latino, 25% black and 25% white. And the thing said that it, that they could play white on their resume. And, uh, and, and that was, that was it. So we we had to, um, I guess, fire a baby for for somewhat racial reasons from just a mis uh, I, maybe it was misrepresentation, but I will say this that if you do look at the baby in the finale, when I'm in the um, in the the RV uh, with the binoculars and uh, Shay's handing that baby to the to the mother, that is that baby. So that baby made it in. 
And then we had to find other babies, but it was hard to find babies that, you, you know, would maybe look like my kid because you need two babies. If you're lucky, you can get twins. We couldn't get twins. So in this weird, frantic clusterfuck of a casting call, we had to, you know, find some babies. There were no twins available. So we had to find two different babies that look kind of alike because they can only work a few hours a day. So we somehow managed to find a couple of babies that were a few months apart that look enough alike to, and they all, there's three babies in that show. But it was kind of an embarrassing and difficult day. Firing a baby is not easy. Especially for somewhat racial reasons. Moving on now to Mr. James L. Brooks. Um, look, this guy is one of the greats. And it's very interesting. There's a lot of talk about luck. And, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily factor in, or some of you know that, but, you know, this is a great, you know, very prolific creator and, and writer. And he mentions luck a lot. And, and luck is definitely a factor uh, most of the time in uh, getting success and holding on to it. Like, I, you know, this, you know, my timing for the first time in my life when I started this podcast just happened to be cosmically in line my timing was lucky i didn't have any real forethought about it it came when it did but everything synced up and i got lucky i i think i can deliver the goods but sometimes that that initial push is just uh, a combination of forces that you had no control over so please enjoy me and uh and and james Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. Podcasts. Nice to see you, Mr. Brooks. Good to see you. It feels like it's been a long time coming for some reason. What swayed you? What swayed you this way? Uh, you know, they always say indigenous people, there was a yeah. certain time when they felt cameras captured their soul. And, and you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think they were absolutely right. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not... Um, but I, I just love your show so much that I thought, you know, it was almost like a responsibility to show up. <laughs> that, that you had to, 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 to come do it? Yeah, it be, began to be too self-conscious not doing it. <laughs> well, I, I think the, the first time I reached out to you was because Judd tried to put us together right a few years ago i remember that man really yeah what what was that for well no it was uh he said that you should do the show apatow said you should talk to james l brooks and i'm like all right and then i emailed you and then uh you were like oh okay maybe we'll do it or something (laughs) that sounds like yeah it's a few (laughs) few years ago you were writing something i still am still on it still on it (laughs) 
that always Jesus. writing jesus <laughs> yeah but uh still what, writing that no really have we, <laughs> yeah. do you know what it is oh yeah yeah oh really yeah is it a, a never-ending thing no i hopefully not yeah though it, there are days when it seems like that <laughs> what is it it's a uh, screenplay i think is the technical term uh-huh yeah and it's been you've been writing it for a couple of years yeah yeah does it generally take that long yeah Really? Yeah. This is this is stretching. This, if I kept records like this, yeah. which which would have which I don't, this might be a record setter. Really? Yeah. How but long is it? But been... it's in this. But it's in this groove. It's it's, it's it's been that kind of rhythm for me. Uh huh. And what 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 does that entail every day with that? I mean, you have a story obviously in your head. So uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> now see that's great that you think that and you'd assume that. <laughs> And 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 and, and the yeah. way I'm I'm flattered by yeah. <laughs> by you're having that belief. I I, I, uh, I I sort of I sort of found it. I sort of started with some characters on this, and and it became a story I never would have imagined at the beginning. And I so I so I wrote it with a great deal of freedom, which I'm now paying for. Oh yeah, yeah. What do, what do you mean? What kind of freedom? Um, just as you know, a, a scene doesn't have to go this way to match an outline. Okay, a, you can surprises can happen to you right. and they did yeah and you know i'm gonna sound more positive than i feel oh good uh, <laughs> but we'll see um, if it sticks um but it, it it was there was it was exciting in a certain yeah. way doing it that way roughly knowing what i wanted to address but but uh, based on character but not having a story yeah based on characters and seeing where they went and um and and a lot of unexpected things happen. Now I'm going through and giving everything a purpose, so it's a little, you well, that's know, interesting. And trying to make it adhere to a spine, right? Like t- try to trying to answer the question. The reason I have called you here today, yeah, right, is, right, yeah, yes. The reason I've summoned you characters yes. to uh, to move through <laughs> and, this, and hopefully the audience, yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's interesting that you start with characters. I mean, well, you, I mean, there's some, been some pretty strong characters that you've created, so that makes sense that you would start with characters. Oh, as opposed to uh, <laughs> what? I mean, you know who I just saw yesterday because he's on my he's on my TV show uh, occasionally is Judd Hirsch. And oh I, wow! Yeah, and I said I was talking to you today, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, Jim Brooks is great." You know, he, all the funniest stuff in Taxi was him. <laughs> he said that. Not so, but but he had one example which was weird, uh, uh, and I I'm trying to remember what it was. It was a, a tag where where uh, where Christopher Lloyd. There's some. The tag was, uh, could, could you could you say it's or could you slow it down or something? And and oh. then he said it slower. Do you know? What oh I'm talking no, that's about? a classic. That's a yeah. Oh, that's a classic joke. It's not a tag. It's right. a classic joke. We we believe it rivals that Jack Benny. You know, your money or your life. That legendary laugh on radio. Right, right. Uh, because Jimmy Burroughs, who directed the episode, it was it was it was you know a burnt out you know. Drug casualty, which the Reverend Jim yeah. was on Taxi, yeah. and um, and and Chris Lloyd, great and funny, and he and he wanted to be a taxi driver, <laughs> right, right, and so he had to take a driving test, and it was, uh, what do you do at a flashing yellow light? The answer was slow down, and. Uh, <laughs> What do you do on a passing? Well, it kept on going. Right. What do you? And Jimmy Burroughs, and, and the laugh kept on getting bigger each right, time. Right. And Jimmy Burroughs just arbitrarily at one point said, that's it, you know, and just did cut. We, I, and it would have been great to see when we started to go down the mountain right. and the laugh became less. <laughs> but you just but that was, a, the yeah, that, that's the biggest joke I've ever been around. 
Really? I don't know who wrote it, but uh, that's not Oh, really? Said. You don't have uh, any maybe idea? Maybe it was me. I really don't know. But. You don't? Because I heard that about... Someone else said that. I heard another rumor that that even with The Simpsons to this day, if they're stuck, they'll they'll call you and you'll deliver a, a tag. Well, a, you know, not when they're stuck, we, 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 we sort of all live on this little conclave yeah. <laughs> doing The Simpsons. So I'm, so I'm around and it's great. Yeah. You're there every day? Or I mean, like, uh, for a I'm lot of it? I'm at three days a week. Yeah. So you, you love to work. I love that work. I love that job. I love I love that every week, you know, I'm in a r- room with writers I respect and you're pitching jokes and you're it keeps you it keeps it's exciting, you, right? It keep it it keeps you level, it keeps you good. And you in the freedom that you were able to to sort of, you know, get from from animation. I mean, I think we're sort of going backwards, but but let's let's not do that. Let's let's start. Oh, uh, let's go backwards. Let's go backwards. <laughs> go all the way. Come backwards. on, man. <laughs> well, wait. When I was looking, when I was doing my minor bit of research on you, like I I, I realized that my mother uh, was like I remember Room Two Twenty Two because my mother watched it regularly, and like it's in my mind. Karen Valentine is in my mind, and the other guy, the guy who played the principal, what was his name Constant uh, Michael Constantine. My, Michael Constantine, and then like uh, Mary Tyler Moore, Rhoda. You know, these were my mother's shows. I used to sit at the base of the bed and watch these shows with her, and they're all your shows. And and I guess maybe, well, obviously, it wasn't just my mother. It wasn't a small audience. These were huge shows. But how did you, like, start? Because you, you seem, your reverence for writing and for the writer is is deep, and, and, and you know, you put the writer at the top of, of the sort of artistic uh, pay scale in a way. Yeah. Where did that, you know, when did you start writing officially in your mind? What was the drive? I, you know, I don't think I have an honest answer for that. I, I always read plays. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I read plays. I read plays more than books for some reason. Really? And I read books, yeah. But I never imagined that anybody could actually become a writer. And even though, you know, and then I took some courses, uh, some good ones, yeah. you know, some, some, you know, just some, just some courses in writing. And, but it's, I still, so I always, it always was a great thing to me, but I, I don't think I'm alone in that, you know, because I, when, when I talk to other writers and, and, uh, and maybe you have it in your way and that it takes about 20 years of working as a writer before if somebody says, what do you do for a living? You can just say, I'm a writer uh-huh. instead of I'm a writer. <laughs> uh-huh. But even... even uh, you, know what, you know what I'm talking about? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, there's a confidence element to it, but there's also like whether or not you've been paid to do the job. I mean, on some well, level, if you're paid to do the job... Well, you can I, do I mean, even after you're paid to do the yeah. job because it's every... You know, people who do it, love it, wanted it, you know, it's just, you know, for everything it is, it's... So that so that you can't believe that it's your profession for a long time. Right, right. It doesn't. Well, you think you're getting away with something? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's generally true in Hollywood. <laughs> can I ask? Can I ask you a question? Because it was on my mind from before. Mm. You know, when you're talking about freedom and stuff mm-hmm. like, do you feel very free in your work? Do you now, feel, do, you, do you feel? Yeah. Do you feel like? Yeah, I feel like what what's happened for me is that you know I found this weird little uh, niche that 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 enables me to do pretty much whatever i want i'm 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 relatively hard on myself about you know conversations in in retrospect and i'm still pretty hard on myself about my comedy and stuff but the freedom that the one thing that i think about constantly is uh you know how much money does anybody need so like you know and and i'm not really driven by that and i sometimes i'm worried about that <laughs> 
Does that make sense? Yes. Like yes. I can do whatever I want. I don't know if I'm utilizing it the best I can. So there's that. So whatever freedom I have, it's not allowing me peace of mind. Uh, but maybe it will. I think you have to get to a point where you honestly don't give a shit on some level. And and also it comes down to me as sort of like, well, what do I... Do you ever ask yourself, what do I really want to do? Or are you doing exactly what you want to do? No, I'm t- I, I, I never ask myself. I never, I never question what I never question what I do for a living. I, I, but you like know, for, I, I but just, no, for your fun and for, for your oh, heart. That, and, that, that, I'm, I, that I find um, like I, I, I'm sort of... Uh, I never, you know, my thing. People, people's joke about me for so long yeah. was that I'd always turn good fortune into misfortune and talk about it that way. And, uh-huh, uh-huh. and people, and you know, I have decades of people doing those kind of jokes off me. You yeah, know that yeah. I'm, you know, that I'm always worried about something. Uh-huh. And and uh, for a while now, I've been quite the reverse. Uh-huh. And 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 that's that's disorienting, a little weird for me. Well, that's I think that's freedom, right? That that is a uh, you know freedom of uh, mind. Uh, it's peace of mind. It's a uh, you know uh, okay. Things are okay. And and you're very lucky as, as t- and you're very lucky when you can you know like it, there used to be a time in in uh, in movies where you know if you if you went in and said you know I have a crazy idea yeah people would lean forward <laughs> right I don't think they're leaning forward anymore I think if you come in and say uh, you know you describe your movie as another movie that's been made or yeah. something like that that's and I'm not putting it down and I'm not saying things are bad because great movies always happen somehow so, yeah so any bitching about it is erroneous but uh, but but it's it's becomes Everybody has to talk business talk in a certain way right now. The well, conversation is well. There's a lot of panic, isn't there? There, I mean, you know, it seems to be a, that, that because the media landscape is so vast and the possibilities to really make money with something unique and original has become uh, less and less, and things get lost very easily. I would imagine most executives you're talking to are, you know, seventy five percent thinking whether or not they're willing to take a risk or whether or not they're. Well, no, the answer in movies is pretty much no. I'm not. <laughs> I'd yeah, rather. Right. I'd rather not. They don't seem to. That's not. They don't seem to want that out of me. But 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 but. They'll, what 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 they wanted out of he she them mm-hmm. was to make it a business and that was always impossible and now it's been done it right is, you know you know it was always crazy to try and predict what a movie would do right you know, come on and, who and, are you kidding and now it's a science now it's a science but it doesn't mean we're getting quality movies it but just we always do still get quality right, sometimes despite through. it right. used to be because it was nurtured television today is like that television this you know the search for originality is commercial right you know the, the pursuit of excellence is commercial wasn't it always uh in television well, I mean, wasn't always the the drive to hold sponsors? I mean, from the very beginning, from when but, Uncle Milty was, you know, holding a box of soap. There, there was a time. There was a time when sameness was very much in television, mm-hmm. and you know, the the the, the, the situation comedy, right. meaning that was a kind of comedy that mm-hmm. everybody did, where something happened, you right. know, and uh, rather than the people involved or somebody's quirky idea or a writer producers, sure. you know, sort of look at the world. So that used to have a same, but now television is, you know, exciting. But when did you, like, what was the beginning? How did you get from Jersey and, and whatever you oh, grew man. up in? You know, what was the path? I I got very lucky and got a job as a page at CBS after I messed up college. Where'd and, you go to college? Uh, briefly, NYU. And what were you studying? Uh, I, you don't remember? That's all no, right. I, a long time I, ago. I, I, I was, no, I... I, I <laughs> I think I think it was public relations. I think it was as oh, close as I could think of coming to writing. I didn't know quite what it was. That's one of those great vague majors. <laughs> yes, yes. PR. Yeah. And um and uh And were you writing in college? 
No, I was, I was, it was the first time in my life that I was having any fun at all. So, oh, I, right. so, so I sort of messed things up. Um, oh, yeah, what style? What year was that? What uh, was the? I don't know. I don't know years. I don't. <laughs> what was I the type know. of fun that was uh, I, messing I, I, you up? Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was. It was. The, I actually was in a fraternity. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, and 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 I had a good time there. Yeah. And yeah. I, and, and there were women in the sure. world. And, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, which yeah. was which I, I I hadn't allowed myself to consider in mm. high school. Mm -hmm. And, and um, were you uh, were you sort of withdrawn in high school? Were you uh, like a bookie guy? Were you like? Um, a, we I was, a, I, I was a class clown, oh, but, good. but not a beloved class clown. <laughs> <laughs> not where they'd say class clown in the yearbook, and I'd be smiling, and I'd be with a girl with the same smile. Right, not right, like no, that at all. No, no, the troubled kid <laughs> with the with the rage in his <laughs> you eyes. Know, you know, there were there were beatings after school. It was it was <laughs> oh, it was it's like, it's, it was their form of applause. So I you guess. had an effect. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I you know, I, I. I I would I would uh, act out in class a lot and try and do bits and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, who were your inspirations when you were a kid? Were you always a comedy fan? Always a comedy fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always a comedy fan. And like, what, what did you? Uh, who did you gravitate towards early on? Um, let's see. There was there was there were some people who who wrote books funny. Uh, there was I I read plays. I read comedy plays. Uh, your show of shows was like a miracle. It was like a miracle. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was really the first freedom and, of and situation really, comedy, right? And Sid Caesar was an original. It was an original talent. Yeah, never anybody like him. Did since. you get? Did you ever uh, uh, get build a relationship with him? Did you get to know I him never, at all? I never knew him. No? I, I I knew Mel. I I know Mel Brooks. Uh, everybody knows Mel somewhat. Brooks, right? Yeah, yeah. There was a time. Yeah. In the at, at the Fox Studios, you yeah. know, every once in a while, when it's supposed to be like you dreamed it would be, yeah, you know. Which every once in a while, yeah. like my fantasy is in front of me. Yeah, you'd go to the commissary to eat, yeah. and Mel Brooks would make a round of tables, uh -huh. making everybody laugh hilariously. Yeah, do, including you each day in a certain way, very generous. Yeah, and it would be amazing. This is what show business is. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you'd hear the pockets of laughter follow him around. Yeah, he made the rounds. It was amazing. He's a, an astounding force of uh, of nature. That of, guy. Of I, I, he did the Tracy Ullman show uh, once, which was which you know gave birth to The Simpsons. Right. And was, and the, nobody was watching. We were on a brand new Fox network. Mm -hmm. Tracy, brilliant, crazy brilliant, yeah. and and the show's so tough. And the one time that I. He d he did the show as a guest star. Yeah, and and I was literally on the floor laughing. I, it was just so <laughs> exquisite to be, yeah. you know, to be to be on the, you know, it's amazing. And, yeah, he still has that too. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's really astounding. Yeah. Um. All right. So you go. You get a job as a page at CBS. You've got. Uh, you like comedy. You, you you don't know what you're gonna do. You screwed up college. And you get this gig. How'd you get that gig? My sister's best friend was the secretary to the person hard pages. Mm -hmm. It was just that because mm -hmm. everybody else had a fancier background than me. Yeah. Uh, and then we all, it was amazing because I was a kid. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I was 18 or something. Yeah. And, um, and we all, there were, there were like 12 of us on staff. Um, and I was from New Jersey and I, and I didn't know anything. 
and I think like seven were gay, and it was my first time, and, yeah. and I'd, I'd hear glamorous stories, I'd hear people having these social lives, we were all in a lounge all day together, yeah. bullshitting all day, everybody was a little like taxi, somebody wanted to be an actor, somebody wanted to be this, yeah. and, and, you, and you wore a uniform, and you were assigned like sort of to, to receptionist duties, and everybody got promoted, and I was still there. <laughs> And everybody went on, and I was still there, and 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 you're 18, and you put on that 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 cape that yeah. you wear when it's cold, and you have to stand outside, which right. is because you have doorman duties yeah. as well. Oh, really? Yeah. And now you've been doing it for two years, and now the faces in the lounge are different, man. And you start to to, and a, a kind of terror starts to grip you. <laughs> you're like, and, am I ever going to get out of here? And they, it was really like like yeah. What did they do? At you, what at what age did they call you in and right. say? <laughs> You've seen two turnovers of the pages. You know, it was your back hunches under the... You, you might have been that guy. You know, the guy that, you know, in, in 1980, that's like, he's been a page for 40 years. God bless him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they just keep you on out of charity, and then you... Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. Well, you, yeah. you avoided yeah. that. I call the executives by their first name. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, faced with that, yeah, um, I got a vacation relief job. A yeah. copy boy at CBS News went away for two weeks. I went in, and and CBS News, you needed Ivy League, you needed to to get in that door. I, but for a vacation replacement, you just filled in. And that was editing copy. Uh, no, th no, copy boy is get me coffee, get me, oh, you know, that's, get me okay. the copy from the wire machines, you know, right, just, right. And he didn't come back. So I stayed, and that ah. was that. That was my break. So you did it. You did a good job, and they're like, "The kid's gone." I, I didn't do such a good job. <laughs> you know, I didn't. I, I, it wasn't. I mean, there's no good way to get people caught. Well, I guess. I guess. I, <laughs> I. I don't even think I spilled less than the right. next guy. Yeah. And and that was a break in in the sense that you you were afforded the education of what that that position it was, offered. It you? was. I I have always been a news buff in some way for some reason. You know, I'm a crazy news buff. And what does that mean exactly? That you, you well, just like right, current events, or that you appreciate? Well, right now, I mean, my you know, I I try and read two newspapers cover to cover. You know, oh I, every day, I, yeah. I can't always do it. it Take it's what are your consuming. papers? New York Times and uh, L.A. Times. But yeah, L.A. Times not cover to cover. And this is some. This is a, an area of uh, of expertise and, and necessary responsibility to uh, the culture at large that is uh, that is deteriorating. Reporting. So that must be frustrating on some level to, to you know, that you know, that's a common complaint around writing is that, you know, what's the integrity of any one story? And we live in a culture where anybody can pick whatever truth they want from any every source that they want. And uh, there's no bearing on the truth. If the New York Times falls for any reason. We're all in trouble? Really, we are. Really, we are. And, you know, and that's not absolutely not going to happen, I guess. Yeah. You know? It's it's um, and it's a, and it's a scary thought. Uh, so what, your, this commitment to the news, where did that lead you early on? I mean, as I, you, I was a news writer. I got a job as a news writer. How'd uh, you learn how to do that? Just by reading copy? Uh, I auditioned for the local radio station that was also a CBS station in Jersey and um, no, in New York. Okay, in, in New York City, and um, and I, it was a union job. It was a Writers Guild of America East job, you know, and. Uh, and I did that job, and then I, and then somebody I worked with, came out to California and 
became a big shot at Walper Productions, which was an independent documentary house. Mm-hmm. That there were there were a lot of people coming from all over there, mm-hmm. and uh, they did syndicated series and um, TV, TV, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and they called me out, and I came out here, and I was here uprooted. I was, you know, newly married, uh, and. It, and I think I wouldn't have had the guts to leave a union job, but but God bless my wife at the time, and uh, you know she, she said do she, it. She she was very supportive, and she supported us when I was laid off six months after I got here, which I was. So what was that gig out here? What'd you do? I was I was unemployed for a while, and then did you do documentaries? I did do documentaries. I, I did do documentaries. I, I I got rid of my phobia of insects doing documentaries because I had a. <laughs> I had a real phobia of it, you know, like like yeah. I, I'd make I'd make female sounds when I saw a bug. <laughs> and that was, was that was that a thing and, that happened and, often? I mean, and it, and and then like the only job I could get after I was laid off, they called me back to do a National Geographic to write a National Geographic where you looked at a small screen moviola all day long with right. the most massive shots of, <laughs> of bugs you ever saw, and it was the war against wasp and bees. And 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 it would be I I I'd look at the screen I'd shudder I'd write I'd shudder and then it was like a version therapy I got rid of that. So you're writing the the the, the narrative the narration. Yes yes. <laughs> In the world of bees and wasps. And this then, is... what, did you have to later edit it all the like oh my god oh my god <laughs> <laughs> this is horrible the the, the horrible wasp. <laughs> if you can read this please. <laughs> <laughs> just help help so so what in in looking at where your career went from there you know what what were you collecting uh, intellectually or 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 skill wise during that time um bill friedkin came through there as a young director i just talked to him really yeah you gotta yeah. listen to that well, one I, I he, well, he, he, was, he was amazing so, okay, this is interesting because you are a contemporary of those guys and he came out of Chicago with that documentary about the Huge prison. out of Chicago. I mean, glittering as a star out of well, Chicago. Well, because of that documentary yes. about the inmate. Yes, yes. And, that, and that's what delivered him out here. Yeah. So you you met up with him he was way ahead. Of, he was way ahead of me on the pecking order. I mean, I mean, I was I was like a- In the documentary a, a world. Produ- well, he was a star. He came, he came here as a star director. In the documentary world. Right, right, that's what I mean. With all the ambitions to direct. Right. You know, and, and he was the first one to bust out and do because everybody I think wanted to do that we all did yeah and he busted out and he and he did the Sonny and Cher movie yeah right. and 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 I and I remember I remember I wish I could we didn't talk about that too and, much and I, and I can't I can't get out, I can't get it out of my mind then because I talked to him about it he was a godlike presence you know and still is to me yeah you know? and what and, was what was your first encounter with uh, Bill Friedkin he, he was he he was um. Did he have a? He had a personality a little like Quentin Tarantino. Oh, a really? Little, a little, a, a little like that. It was just you know just a big human being. Yeah. Or it was great to be around. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, and he and he and with his first movie, he he was giving script revision notes to whoever was writing it. Yeah. And he, and his and his one rule was you got to put him on the high dive. You got to put him on the high dive. <laughs> that that was his that was his line. <laughs> that was that was his yes. That was his for for script for, revisions? for audience. For oh yeah. Audience that you have to get them. Oh really? Yeah. With the Sonny and Cher movie. With the Sonny and Cher movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so imagine when he did French Connection. <laughs> did you spend a lot of time with him? Did you? Uh, some. He was. I mean, we. We. I guess we all. I, we all looked up to him. He. He really was were the other, charismatic and the other guys, other producers, other people who aspired to this. There was uh, Wallen Wall Green, who mm -hmm. became a, a, a really prominent screenwriter. And, but these were all in the documentary field at this we time. We were all in the documentary field. Then, and yeah. Friedkin was the guy that broke out. Yeah. With the Sonny and Cher movie. And then when he made French Connection, were you like, holy shit, he it did was, it. It was, but you knew he was gonna. Oh, yeah, he's one of those you guys. I think just, so. I think so. He had that shine to him. Yeah. yeah. He was the one who said, I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> that, just that confidence as a writer and documentarian. <laughs> yes, yes. Made all oh, you guys I wish I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> Where does he get the balls to say he's going to do it? So what, So when did you, what was your uh, move out of documentary? I mean, how did uh, that happen? I, I was unemployed and... Um, for six months. And and I tried to write spec scripts for Dick Van Dyke. Everybody wrote a spec script, their spec sure. script for Dick Van Dyke at the time. And Nice um, guy. And friends, and I, and I actually had a friend who came from New York who was actually making it as a comedy writer. Who's that? Uh, her name was Treva Silverman. Mm-hmm. And she was writing uh, the monkeys. Sure. She, when when they had all fresh, edgy writers, she right. was, she, she was one of them. Uh huh. And um and then I went to a, a I went to an, a, a party one night, a New Year's Eve party. I'm unemployed. Uh, my wife is working, um, and uh, I I couldn't get any action. I couldn't find a job. I had that standard thing in my head that I'd have that you know somehow somehow the only <laughs> to me at the time yeah. In all reality, to show, you know, in all reality, if I couldn't get a job writing in some way, I would get a job selling ladies' shoes. I had no, I had no, I, I know that was, there are more choices. That was your backup I know plan? those aren't the only two jobs in the country, but that was my reality for some reason. That it was women's shoes uh, or that job have to in be, entertainment. That I'd be on my, yes, yes. But there I, were no other retail jobs that came to mind? I, I, I know, and I, had, and I had done some selling. I don't know whether that was a self-motivational thing or not. But it wasn't a fetish. It was just. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> So either I'm going to be in television or I'm going to no, be on my you're knees. Gonna, you're going to draw psychological implications from me thinking I wanted to be on my knees to women. <laughs> no, I mean, crazy of me to, yeah. that that would be the yeah, only plan man, B. That's a weird place yeah. to go. <laughs> yeah, that, that James Brooks's only plan B at the beginning was women's shoes. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So More shoe stores and studios. <laughs> that's for sure. Back um, then there were. So anyway, I went to that New Year's Eve party and we're all mutts and 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 a couple walks in from another party and yeah. said and and the guy said thank god finally real people and they're dressed formally uh-huh and, and and we're at the mutts and that was alan burns mm -hmm. who is one of the greatest guy pillar of the community talented you know uh and and I, I, I was in a conversation. What was he doing at the time? He, he had three series on the air at a very, you know, young age. What he were had, they? The, I don't know. Oh, okay. But they were like, it was that time, and he had just late fifties. What are we talking? No, we're in the early sixties, mid sixties, late sixties, late sixties, mid sixties. All right, because of the monkeys. Mid sixties, yeah. I'm. Trying it's to... funny to me that, like, you know, she, this person that you knew, the woman who was, you know, writing for the monkeys when they had edgy writers, that there wasn't this weird, you know. The, no, none of you ever thought like it's the fucking monkeys. It was a gig, right? It was a good gig. It was a funny show. 
Yes, it was. Okay. It, it, it was a show that wanted to break break barriers. Okay, it was a show that wanted to f- screw around. Okay, right. So you know, yes. very much so. That was a that was a rebellious show. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And she later she later won Emmys writing for Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, for you, sometime later. Yeah, you gave her that gig. She. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But she she was very important to the Mary Tyler Moore show. Sure. And um, so, Alan had created my mother the car. Uh huh. Not familiar. Uh, the show was um, was a network show yeah. about a man whose mother came back as an automobile. Yeah. <laughs> and you heard a, a woman's voice. Uh-huh. You didn't see anything move. You didn't see any mouth move, but you sure. heard a woman's voice. And it was the car. But, but it was, yeah, it was. And, and, and it a was, hit show? No, it, it lasted a season. He had done a number of hit shows. Yeah. But he had created, he was no longer with it. He was. Yeah. He had a partner and they were creating other shows. Uh, one they were in on He and She, which was an amazing show, um, and he got me a chance. He got me a chance to write a script. I mean, just being a nice guy, mm-hmm. just he just did it. That's you know? how it happens, you know. And um, and then we ended up. Then 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 I then I, that that got that got me into freelance writing, and the freelance writing got me a chance to do my first pilot, which was Room Two Twenty Two. And then he came in and began producing the series that I had created. And then the head of the studio where we did that show was Mary Tyler Moore's husband, the the much beloved Grant Tinker. And he put us together as a as a writing team. You and uh Alan. And Alan Burns. Yeah. And and now room two twenty two at that time, like see I, I kinda I'm not I'm not I'm not nostalgic, but I have to assume it seemed to me that at that time, Hollywood, television business, the movie business was a more intimate business. It was a smaller business, and 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 you know there were three major networks. Once you were in, did you all kind of know each other? You know, and, that was and, late, at the time where I really felt what you're talking about mm-hmm. in the way that 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 you read books and the movies in the 30s and 40s right. like this was television in the 70s at Paramount Studios, Mm -hmm. where it was exactly everything you dreamed of. There were a bunch of us. First of all, there was an absolute wall, a literal wall and and a figurative wall against people in television going into the movie side. (laughs) Literally, we drove in through a separate gate. Literally, all our space was on one side of the studio. The movies were on the other side of the studio. Yeah. And we and so that you everybody was doing great. It was you know it was Tom Hanks and Robin Williams and uh-huh. and Rob Reiner and Ron Howard and Penny Marshall and and um, and you know there were there there were, we were all of us there and and uh, we we did Taxi there and we all did go to each other's shows. It was it, by the way it was it was the seventies with everything that was and behavior and everything else and we all. Partied, huh? Yeah, tax, taxi had a really good party. Yeah, that you had fun at yeah. every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, if, but getting there, I mean, you know, from room two twenty two, getting to taxi. I mean, there's also other credits. I mean, it, it it just it's interesting to me, you know, talking to you now that uh, you know you you did these other shows. I mean, you wrote a little bit for the Andy Griffith show. You wrote a little bit for My Three Sons, right? So you were sort of on that girl, yeah, yeah. You were on set for that stuff, right? Or no, go, never. No, no. The writer didn't go the set. Never saw an actor until I opened the wrong door one day and went, That's, <gasps> "Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah." You were kept separate, yeah, because now you know the writers are on set and you, you know, absolutely, you work through absolutely, stuff. absolutely. We did it that way on on on. We did it that way on every show that I was um, 
but, part of creating. But that was a big change. Was it not? I mean, it, it seems to me that, like, you know, writing that, you know, in, in going with the theme of the writer is is of utmost importance that that during those that earlier television that you know you delivered the script and that was it well you got notes and you did a draft and then it was rewritten there was a there was a show called hey landlord which mm-hmm. was uh which was you know jerry belson and gary marshall were a fantastic comedy writer team mm-hmm. writing team and they did hey landlord and i got an assignment on hey landlord which was a which was my first audience show mm-hmm. and um and it was very early on. I mean, it was, I think, the second or third thing I did. And they had a staff that I would have given anything to be on, but I wasn't up to that stage. And I wrote a script, and they gave me notes, and I and I went it back, and I gave it back. And my sister and I went to see the show. We got to see the show. That you wrote. Yes. And, it, and we're online, and then somebody re- realized that I was a writer, and he said, you know, this is the audience line. You can, <laughs> and, and I came in, and the show started, and... My sister would say, is that yours? No. <laughs> is that yours? No. <laughs> and then somebody comes in a bear suit. Yeah. Which, somebody came in, in, it, yeah. into the scene in a bear suit, I think a woman in a bear suit, yeah. that was clearly going to be there for the whole show and was not in my script at right. all. And, and I don't think I had a line in. And, oh. and they were very kind to me afterwards, but it was just, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see being completely rewritten coming like that. Oh my God! And that uh, was that must have been scarring on some level. Uh, one of the lighter ones, but yeah, <laughs> the first one. It was the first one. So they're lighter only retroactively. Yes, yes. That, that more, could, t- more time to fade. Right. If, if that one was your last experience in television, that would have been the biggest scar. <laughs> yes, yes. I'd be the guy in the bar. Buy me a drink, and I'll yeah, tell yeah. you a story. You I'd remember the guy. bear episode <laughs> yeah. of Hey Land? Remember this. <laughs> Can I show you the script? Yeah, the original script. There was no fucking bear. Tell me what you think. Yeah. The point is, is that from from room two twenty two, and you're you're meeting or or uh, becoming part of Grant Tinker's thing. That it seems to me that Grant Tinker is is very revered for for giving the writer a certain legitimacy and and the executive position he deserves. Like. Like going going back to our conversation earlier about yeah. about not having you don't have a boss right right don't okay no okay I've I've, I've had bosses all my life it's, right it's, it's 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 I'm saying there's one thing better than not having a boss that's having Grant Tanker as a boss okay yeah <laughs> yeah and and when did that start um, because was he it there started for... we started it Alan and I started it because Grant Mary Tyler Moore his wife had an on the air commitment from CBS yeah he gave us the the, the opportunity to do that, yeah, and he couldn't be part of it because he was still an executive at Fox, right? So it would be conflict of interest. So he had to keep sort of hands as much off as possible, yeah. And and we went into an office not not having ever done this together before, and, and you we and hired, Alan. we hired the show accountant for some reason. It was like crazy. It was really as close to inmates running the asylum. Well, as so he, he basically gave you a producer's job. Oh yeah, we were the we were right. the showrunners, right? Was, and yeah. but the, but at that time. The showrunner. But there was no company. Right. There was no production company. So we had a. So some. What we did sort of form the production company, we, which we had. That became no MTM. Doing. Yes. And and he 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 recognized that. I mean, he yeah, did, yeah. did he set up the company before he hired you, or? Well, there was a company. There was his. There was a Mary's manager was part of it, and there yeah. was a lawyer, and there was us, and right. that was it. So Mary Tyler Moore. So now you're in the position. You hire the accountant. You've got all this freedom. You have got this amazing talent, who was yeah. from the Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah. 
And how did you you guys develop that show? I mean, what was the pitch? Who was involved with that? Just the two of us. Just yeah. the, the two of us. And we and we started out with a bad idea, which which we went to New York to pitch to CBS, which was so much the top network then. Yeah. And um and it was a bad idea, and and uh and we pitched it, and they asked us to step outside, and what um, was the bad idea? She was divorced. Yeah. And and the guy, it's 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 um. It, this really happened. And yeah. in the meeting, the the one the guy in charge, and there were all these vice presidents around. The guy in charge explained to us that there are three things that the American public doesn't want: yeah. divorced woman, yeah. men with mustaches, and Jews. Seriously, <laughs> he said this, and and nobody's going to mistake me for anything, but you know, all and, of them, <laughs> yeah, other than divorced woman. <laughs> well, you're two out of three. We might have a problem. And they told. They told Grant to fire us, and he didn't. And then we came up with the idea that became the show. And Grant, who later became the chairman, but she of was NBC, divorced, wasn't she? No, she was. Uh, no, she she in the pilot episode, she was she moved to Minneapolis because the guy she put through medical school dumped her when he became a doctor. Okay, yeah, right. So never <laughs> married. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, never married. So. When you started doing this show, and it, you know, how long did it take for it to become a hit, and what was? Uh, we we handed in. Um, we we did the show. We had a very bad run through with an audience mm-hmm. that was. I mean, it, it, you want to die? Like like, Alan. It was the only time in my life I tried to do a warm up. Uh-huh. Alan and I were going to do the warm up to the audience, right? And, and I did like that classic Jackie Gleason when he was on television. You know, yeah, yeah, I yeah. couldn't utter a word. Right, I I, I was paralyzed. Right, and and Alan had to carry me and stuff. And um and the show. You two went out there together to what? To, yeah, to and, do and a it was, team and thing. It was and it was it was it was. It's your first time doing stand up, and I, the only time. Yeah, the only time. <laughs> And I just don't know what possessed me because I choked right away and stayed choked. I yeah. mean, there was never a moment when I could and that, get words out. I that didn't there. instill comfort in your live audience? And, yeah. and Alan, poor Alan, soldiered on, uh, you know, every once in a while turning to me. And I, it really was like a sketch, <laughs> but it, it, happened, it happened in life. Yeah. And then we did a rewrite that uh, where I think it just, well, the, we didn't know what was wrong. And the script supervisor, uh, Marge Mullen, uh, we, suddenly we had everybody who represented Mary, everybody around Grant. We had 14 stricken people staring at us in, the, in our office after, the, after this disastrous run through. And, um, and, and Marge Mullen said, uh, what if the kid, because one of the characters had a kid, said she liked Rhoda? What if we did that? And we did that, and we cut. We we long, and we cut. Those are really basically the changes we made, and it went from Z to A. Uh, you know, it's because they didn't. Rhoda didn't get one laugh in the run through, uh-huh. and we were long. And yeah. those are, those are the two things. But I don't think we would have. I think it needed both fixes. I uh-huh. think we needed to, to tell the audience it's okay to like Rhoda, who was being nasty to Mary. Right. Right. And then and then what they gave us a disastrous time period where we couldn't succeed. And then this thing in television history, the business-like president of CBS just took over as president. Yeah. And he was the only one ever in the history of television to cancel top-rated shows, really top-rated, top right. 10 shows, uh-huh. because he thought their time had passed and they were bucolic and he wanted to have a new kind of comedy. Uh-huh. Changed our time period. All in the family went in, went in at about the same time, just uh-huh. a little ahead of us, and changed television for the That 70s. one guy. 
Yeah, yeah. Who had yeah, the courage? Executive. Yeah. Who who yeah. was it was and a, and a very, you know, an, a, a Republican American businessman who did this thing that nobody has ever done before or since. I don't think it ever will happen again. And changed the face of television. He noticed that things were changing, he, and he said the business has to change. I guess so. Well, thank God for that guy, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he gave you a new time slot, and everything took off. Yeah, we followed all in the family, which was amazing. And uh, did you have a relationship with Norman? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. We were competitors in a way, you yeah. know, because we were doing shows and we were always up against each other for awards and yeah. stuff like that. But we we we'd sit there on Saturday night, always watching all in the family, and saying, "Oh shit, we're no good," you know, because it was so great, you know. And, <laughs> Really? Yeah, really. Well, yeah. But it, I mean, we we. I mean, it just you know, it was it was all in the family was just a revolutionary show. We were an evolutionary show. Uh huh. Interesting. But 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 the thing is, is that you were fairly revolutionary. I mean, you know, to have you know Mary as a central character, a, a career our woman. Our timing that, was our timing was very fortunate because it was exactly at the feminine revolution was starting. Mm -hmm. You know, so suddenly. Just what was happening around us gave us stories and put meat on our bones. Well, it's the same uh, with All in the Family. I, I don't. I think it's an equally revolutionary show because it was, you know, maybe like they seem to be good companion pieces. Really, I mean, at the time, you know, both uh, politically and otherwise. I, I'm, I guess I'm just I'm I'm, I'm trying to make you feel better. Jim, <laughs> I'm, good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm <laughs> good. It was not a failure. Mary Tyler Moore was a fine show. I, I, I accept that. <laughs> So okay, so now no, you, they were decided they wanted to go. Everyone had a meeting one day where they wanted to go off high, so they said let's 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 leave after six seasons. Yeah, and you know, and I was seeing this thing swirl around me. This meeting about you know we decide when we get off, we wouldn't get kicked off. You know, let's go after six, and I said seven, <laughs> and everybody said okay. So I got an extra year doing it. Seven seasons you did. Yeah, and then you did the spinoffs. Uh, I did Rhoda. Yeah. And, and that and that went well. My mother loved that show too. Yes, yes, we were hoping she did. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. she loved it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was Val, and she was great. And um, we did a crazy thing there because we had a, we we divorced her in the second year of the show, and it turns out that guy from CBS was right. Oh, really? Um, uh, I remember the husband kind of. What was that? Yeah. Kind of a lunky guy. And and it just you know I just we, we were just stifled on on it was hard to come up with stories. It was hard to come up with stories with Rhoda married, you know, the quintessential. Because it wasn't woman. necessarily a romantic comedy. Yeah, it was. We were having a tough time with stories. Really, that was sort of it. But not with uh, Mary Tyler Moore because he no. had so many characters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 No, that was that was yeah. And and Ted was like, what? Where did you find that guy? How did that? I mean, how did you develop? Ted, your... God bless him, man. It was. He he was like a spirit. He was so intrinsically funny. That's an amazing thing to be intrinsically. To be a comic spirit inside yourself, yeah, and and he and he was almost like, a, and that's why the show was great for me because, um, I mean, Cloris was uh, a method actress. She the, she goes back to the group theater. Brando had called her the best actor to come out of Cloris the same Leachman, discipline yeah. he did. Cloris Leachman, um, also inherently funny though, right? Uh, she was she she's she's she, she's a glorious actress who can right. do anything. Yeah. She's a glorious actress. Right. And then there was Val, who was from Second City. Mary, who was from television comedy. Uh, Ed was Ed was Second City. Second City, yeah. Ed was Second City as well. And then Betty White came right. in, you know, who... Hilarious. Who, who was just... Uh, and, 
and talking to them about their backgrounds and their training was my college. That was like, and I ate it up. I loved talking about it. Yeah. And you know, to see all, and, and Val was story theater as well. And she would do, um, she would get her old acting teacher out and they'd do exercises. And sometimes we'd join the acting exercises. Really? It was fantastic. So that was your whole education about how to work with actors and cast and, and see how things fit yes, together. Yes, yes, And see what they could bring yes. to characters. Yes. And what, but like, um, and Ed Asner is fundamentally funny. He's one of those guys that could you could just watch breathe be funny. Yeah, yeah. But he also can do heavy stuff. Yes, absolutely. But absolutely. Ted was just a comic spirit, huh? A comic spirit, and and yes, yeah, yes. I, where did he come and from? And he and Georgia Angles who came in. Oh, who, she, I just was, saw her. Oh my, I, she's she 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 is screamingly funny anytime she wants to be. So so the ensemble. So you, imagine what it was like. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So you get it. Yeah. And, and but you know, in working through the scripts, how many were on staff for Mary Tyler Moore? It was you and and Alan and Ed Weinberger, uh, Stan Daniels, um, and then and then I think that was that was. When did you bring David, the woman? In David the... Lloyd did a lot of a lot of scripts every year. And what but was the, the woman's rest... name from the monkeys? Freeva Silverman. She came but in. I think everybody was freelance except for really? a handful of us. Yeah, yeah. Very different on The Simpsons now. Yeah. And did you guys write by you know just committee? Did you sit in a room um, or we, and pitch? And because uh, I know I, I've only worked on one TV show, and I, you know how it seems to work. I'm just wondering how long that was in place, where you got a writer's room and you get it up on the board, and everybody pitches, and then people go write their scripts off outlines. How did it work then? Um, it, there we put enormous work compared to what we do now into the into the story conference. Uh -huh. What the story was, key jokes, uh -huh. bits, act breaks. You would it would be a very thorough, and then we'd get it in, and uh, Alan and I, or Ed and Stan would do a, a rewrite, mm -hmm. and then we had a run through, and then we'd we'd either have an easy rewrite night or be there till three in the morning rewriting. Sometimes throwing out, you know, really, whole, yeah. yeah. But you know, but um, and what was so? What determines that? I mean, like you know, is it just your sensibility? What in terms of you know the comedy or how the story balances? You know, what determines like you know staying there all night to to fix something? Uh, our feeling. Yeah. Uh, Jay Sandrich, who directed uh, almost all the shows, he he would he would give his input. But basically, we were it was up to us and and. And the good, like we didn't do it for that reason. But when yeah. you when you attack your script, yeah, it just makes everybody else feel secure because you know you're not blaming everything on the actors. You're not right. blaming, you know, right. You're taking your responsibility. But then if you believe in a if you believe in a script that's not happening on the stage, then instead of going to the rewrite room, you stay on the stage and try and make it work. And that's the other thing. There's all live audience, right? Yeah. yeah. So you you knew when. Things yeah, were tanking. Yeah, yeah. And, and every once in a while, you, there's an easy laugh that, you know, Ted mispronouncing, we stopped doing it at a certain point, even though there was it was like, you go slowly, you, you, yeah. that could go on forever. Right, but right, yeah, 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 yeah. Grace dictates that you take another step. Yeah. And, oh, because you thought that it was cheap after a point? After a certain point. <laughs> Too easy. <laughs> and, then, and then you did the, the Lou Grant show for a little while. Which that went was, for a while. Which right? is amazing, because that was a comedy character spun off into a drama which was which and that was the easiest thing to get stories interesting for. that he could evolve that yeah that's a testament to his amazing chops yes yes that he could absolutely. tweak it like that absolutely whose idea was that um i think it was you know mine and alan's to, to, to take off the comedy to make that character have more depth around we've done a spin-off and we said to ourselves when is a spin-off not a spin-off and then when you spin off into another form uh-huh yeah so that was a big experiment in a way it, it felt like a 
good idea at the uh, time. <laughs> it, it, it worked yeah, for a while, yeah. right? Oh, Emmys, yeah. Now, Taxi, uh, uh, I think, that is a whole other generation of people that, that came to that show. I, I've been writing women's issues for seven years, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and I, I wanted a show with which was primarily a male show, just for, just for that, you know, for that reason. And how did that? How did uh, how did the magic of uh, that uh, creative process? How did you come up with Taxi? Uh, there was an article in New York Magazine mm-hmm. about a, a cab company where everybody wanted to be something else, and this is how great Grant Tinker is, man. Um, he owned the article. And, uh, he bought it. I, he optioned the article. I think he and and now four of us who were very important to the company left to form our own little group, right? Myself, which was MTM. Myself, uh, we left MTM to do to do to to, to form a company of ourselves. Gracie. We, had, we, had, we had an on the air. We had a few on the air commitments yep. from different networks, and we we went over to Paramount. It, we were going to use. We were hoping that that with television we could. We could make a contract that if we did a television series, they would give us a chance to do movies. Of course, was this contra- a unique thing? To, was this a, 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 a was, revolutionary thing to create what would be a, a production company of your own uh, that actually I, functioned I'm, I'm as a production? Sure. Company? I, Which was I, this know, Gracie guess, Films? This no, this was John Charles Walters. Okay, uh, <laughs> that was the name of it. Yeah, we wanted to sound like a great Protestant guy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that company. We wanted it to be formidable, have a British ring to it. It was based on nobody's name? <laughs> it was No, we, we made up the name, and then somebody found a, a sign, that, a big wooden sign that said John C. Walters someplace, and we hung it up. <laughs> <laughs> and this was, the, this was your production shingle for Taxi. For Taxi and the Associates, which we did there. And, and, uh, and, all, and the, pro, the contract to make pictures... Um, was never fulfilled by Paramount. There were there were all sorts of gizmos in it that, because we, we were supposed to be able to make very small movies as uh, as part of it, and somehow there was a flaw in the contract where we never got that. Um, you didn't know that going in. You, no, no, we thought. Did we, you we yell at the lawyer? It. No, it, 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 you know it's not the sun moment. It's it's the attrition as you realize. That, oh, oh, you know, right, right, the right. The conditions that have to be there, and you yeah. know, and so Tinker was like he he, and so we called Tinker, yeah. and I, we're four people who have left his employ, right, and it was a jolt to the company at the time, and uh, and I I said, can we buy it back from you? He says, I'm giving it to you. So that's the, who this guy was. Whoa, yeah, <laughs> that's 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 heavy. Yeah. And and then so you had this prop, you had this article, and 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 how did uh, did you start thinking in character first? You, you... We had here's how lucky we were. I'm this is this is just I'm sounding like somebody just making a list of breaks, but I mean I guess no, it's, but, yeah, but this I guess is it's, a, it's true. But it, it's breaks filled in with with process, filled in with the you know creative thing. It's all good. We went to do research in New York. We yeah. went to the company the article had been written about. Okay. We're in the cab company. Yeah, where we we stay in the cab company all night, and, we, and we're overnight from like midnight to whatever it was, and. Um, and then we wanted to have breakfast with a group of cab drivers in the morning. Uh-huh. And that was going to be ba- basically our research. Right. During that time, we saw the dispatcher being given a bribe for a clean cab from a driver. We saw that surreptitiously, and he knew we were watching, and he's waving the guy who's offering the bribe away. Just for a clean cab? What does that mean? To- yeah, that's not a filthy cab. It's not banged up. It works. <laughs> it's like- right. A good cab. Right. <laughs> and and that was the birth of the Danny DeVito character. Uh-huh. Just seeing that. Yeah. Just seeing that created that character. Yeah. And now our problem was, how do you make 
a hero for how do you make Judd Hirsch a hero? What what delineates him? And the article was about everybody wanting to be you know something else, a boxer, an actor. A, yeah. And 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 now now we're we're there. We and all the cab drivers that we're going to have breakfast with say, let's wait for whatever his name was to come in. And now this really solid, sort of clearly charismatic young guy comes in with his cab and they and you can tell he's a hero to everybody there yeah and everybody wants to be everything else so we asked him the question about what do you want to be he says me i'm a cab driver yeah. and that was and and then we, immediately we knew that's what made him a hero <laughs> 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 and that was judge that was that was the that was the basis for judge's character and where'd you get reverend jim this was so great danny of course you know, legendary. I mean, you can't you can't talk enough about it. He had just been in Cuckoo's Nest. Sure. And slowly but surely, all the all the all the character actors from the Cuckoo's Nest therapy group started to come on the show. Chris being one of them. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was a guest spot that evolved into. He, 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 it was one episode that went through the, that that where Reverend Jim was born, and we wanted to do a drug casualty, and we wanted to do somebody whose brain was fried, and, and but not not menacing. And and and, and, and but but I'm, it's always like. I can't imagine anybody else who could have done that part. Danny, I can't imagine anybody else who could have done that part. I remember I, I, I went into ABC with 103 fever when when Judd Hirsch's contract was falling apart because yeah. I knew he needed an actor as great as he was or else it wasn't going to work. I mean, this is this is what's so, you know, this is, I guess, the thing that you can't face day in and day out, that how, how that's so many things have to walk in the door to you for something to really work. It's just you need the right actor. But how how big was the casting process? So ultimately, long we go long casting process. Yeah, unusually long, unusually long. Where where we need somebody to to hold them back. You know, yeah. And I still I still do that. Yeah, and Devito was uh, was 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 just part of a process, or you were. Oh, like, Devito, no. we were trying to find the character, trying to find the character. He, Danny came in one day to audition, and he said, "Which of you guys wrote this shit?" And he was hired immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's a true story. We just all <laughs> fell down laughing, and that was it. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> yeah. And the other ones, it took a while, huh? Mary Lou's had a lot of auditions. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony. Tony, Tony and... Dance had never acted before, but he, I, I don't even know how he, he was a boxer. He was a boxer. Right. Yeah. And Kaufman? Oh, God. Andy Kaufman, man. We go to the comedy store. Was it here? Yeah, here. Okay. And we're watching Andy. Yeah. Who was great. Right. We're there to see Andy. Yeah. And Tony Clifton is opening for him. Right. And we're seeing Tony Clifton was a comic who insulted the audience. Yeah, yeah, he got sure. booed. Yeah. People almost physically went to the stage. He was a slime ball. Yeah. Now, um, Andy's manager uh, comes over and whispers in our ears, that's Andy. You know, and it was a long time. You don't know about Tony Clifton? Oh, I do. Yeah, sure. You know, you know, Andy did him. Sure, of course. Yeah, I've had Zamuda in here. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know and, the mythology of it, and I know the reality of it. And it was amazing. It yeah. was, it, you know, because I mean, Andy was the father of performance art sure, in a way. I, sure, I, uh, You know, and 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 then he comes on and kills as Andy after being loathsome as Tony Clifton, and we we we. We couldn't get over it. I mean, you just, you can't get over it. It was just, here's a unique talent. And then Andy, as a condition for doing the show, insisted that we hire Tony Clifton as well as a character. That, from the beginning? That, that was a prize, from the beginning. What, was he, what that, season did he come in on? First. Oh, I he's think, there from the beginning? Yeah. yeah. 
and um, and what about the 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 Latka character? I mean, how was Latka that character? We had a we had a we had a foreign mechanic. That was it. Yeah, foreign yeah. generally speaking. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't know what foreign meant. Yes, right. Yes, and um, and we so we gave him a dressing room, and what would what happened? He was there for seven shows, and what would and Andy was brilliant, and and you know he was always in character. When Carol Kane came in to play his wife, and yeah. you know Academy Award nominee coming in to play his wife, they went out one night and they talked the foreign language together and nothing else all night long, you know, because Andy made up a language that we started to integrate with, yeah. yeah, work with, and and it was the greatest thing to write because he came from a mythical country and we could make up religions, we could make up social mores. It was it was a treat to write, yeah. But meanwhile, while while Andy's character is working, Tony Clifton's in the show, and he's shitting all over the actors. He's acting like a prick to all the actors, you know. Off stage, during rehearsal, yeah, during right. you know, where, where so they were going to kill him. I you mean, didn't know I, when Tony was going to show up, and they knew who he was. <laughs> <laughs> so he would act like Tony Clifton. Right. He would fuck you, Andy. Yeah. No, and Tony Clifton would. <laughs> <laughs> So, so there was just no way it could continue. So we and and it was, and, invi- it was did you not know when he was going to show up, Tony? It, it it was you know we wrote he started to it was like the, Andy loved it because yeah. in, in his alter ego is Tony Clifton. Yeah, he was starting to be written out of shows. He was given very small parts. It was a perfect tony clifton ex- mm-hmm. excursion into television network yeah. television it was perfect right but we couldn't do it anymore it was just screwing up a morale a huge problem and and tony uh, clifton was tony clifton was so so um ed weinberger conducted the negotiation to ask andy to accept that tony clifton be fired and um <laughs> and and Andy said, and he was still very private about. I mean, he Andy would never talk to any of us about being about Tony. Right. Andy wasn't Tony. Right. It was very, and um, and he said, if you do it this way, if you give me it, and and they set up a plan so that he wanted to be publicly fired. So Tony Clifton shows up with two prostitutes on his arm. Yeah. And Ed comes down and fires him, and 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 Tony Clifton starts to resist to resist being fired so much that security guards at the studio who were not in on it yeah. had to be called. Tony Clifton was dragged out of the studio, thrown out of the studio physically. Yeah. And then and then Tony Clifton went to a, a phone and called Ed and said it was the best time of my life. <laughs> you guys just had to indulge this. You had no choice. I mean, even even when you're saying that it, it was it was affecting the show negatively, you were all part of this. It, yes, yes, we did it to get to get Andy, and of course, it was. <laughs> and it was just part of a talent negotiation. Yes, the, yes. these were the conditions. <laughs> yes. by which we had yes. to yes uh, behave yes. under to keep Andy. Yes, and did you ever feel like you got to know Andy at all? Was it was it? great giving him notes because when you gave him notes, he'd stay in character. So you'd walk over to Latka, mm-hmm. the character's name, and you'd give him an acting note, and he'd look at you like, "What was he doing here? And what were you doing here?" And then he'd do the note exactly, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Andy also brought back pro wrestling. I mean, single-handedly, he's the one who popularized it again. Mm-hmm. And then he had this match, this wrestling match he had. Yeah, the the famous one with Lawler the, was that his name? Where he was uh, taken to the hospital. Yeah, it made headlines all over the United States. He yeah. was taken to the hospital, 
put in traction. He was almost paralyzed because of because of take actually doing this wrestling match. And then we were, we saw the tape from Saturday Night Live or something, and we saw we slowed it down and we saw that it was a stunt, mm -hmm. a brilliantly performed stunt. I mean, the wrestling you know, is yeah. yeah. Well, that, that he when was, he dropped it him was on a his pile head. driver where he was putting down his head, and you could see just how perfectly rehearsed it was, so he was able to break the fall. And I called him up because I said, you know how shitty it was for us to, 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 you know, to think you were badly injured. He said, you know what it's like to be in traction for a week. <laughs> <laughs> Solid point. Yeah. <laughs> and is that where you met uh, Sam Simon? Sam Simon was yes key to the show. Yeah. To a taxi. Yeah, he was a, he was a story editor and then a producer. Uh -huh. He and Ken Eston they were partners. And what did he bring? And the Charles to brothers, who went on to do Cheers, were also on staff. It was a great writing staff. And David Lloyd came with us from you know from Mary. It was a great writing staff. How many were in there? More. Yeah. Yeah. And in the same Bob Ellison, I never. And yeah. the same sort of uh, pa uh, the same kind of uh, structure as Mary Tyler Moore. You guys would you would uh, be story heavy and then you know just work it through the two of you. Um. Ultimately, or well, there were four of us then, and and you know we each we each did our thing, uh, but you know how you can tell you can a show with a great spirit because you know the, the producers for the for the run through just before you do the show stand where the audience is yeah. behind a rail, right? And after the actors do a scene in the final dress rehearsal, after the actors do a scene, an AD says actors to the rail. And you can tell a good show if the whole, if every actor just rushes up to the rail to get notes, to talk it over, to think how to do something, yeah, yeah. to rehearse a different, yeah. and that's that's the spirit we had on that show. And remember, we're talking the seventies. You know, yeah. I mean, the the great time for the yeah, with Paramount yeah. lot, and yeah, everybody yeah. knew each other, yeah. and it was fun. Yeah, yeah. And so when Taxi ended, it ended on purpose, and you were happy. No, with we were canceled after. I think we won. I, I, I say this because we all feel religious about everybody on taxi feels yeah. religious about the experience. Yeah. And we, you, we, you know how you look back and you say that was a great time. We knew every minute we were having a great time. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, it yeah. was amazing to know it as it's happening. And the show was canceled after we won the best comedy three years in a row. And the show was uh, canceled by ABC by a guy who was in there for one year and the job where he could cancel us. And I called up Grant, who was now chairman yeah. of NBC, drunk because I was because I I started when we were canceled. It was, you know, when we I started to drink. <laughs> really? When we were canceled? Yeah, yeah. we were canceled in the morning, and uh -huh. I started to drink. I was just, it was you know we loved this. Yeah. And then bit by bit, every actor drifted into my office without anybody calling anybody until everybody was there, and now we're all drinking. You yeah. know, and we we we. And I called Grant, yeah. a little drunk, yeah. and um, just the great guy. And he said, I can't do anything for you. And I said, I'm not asking you to. I just want to just vent. Yeah. And and he was at NBC, and they picked us up for a year. I mean, so it's Grant <laughs> again, man. Grant to the rescue. And did you stay in touch with, are you still in touch with Grant? I haven't seen him in a long time. I uh -huh. haven't seen him in a long time. But, but the way I feel about him, everybody who worked for him feels about him. He was sort of a, a champion of modern television. He and he was a he was a decent a writer's guy. friend, man. He, yeah. he he was a writer's friend. Well, yeah, I, I, it seems like he, you know, he really gave the writer the position he deserved. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as as a creator yeah. of shows and you know and and given the freedom necessary to do what they do. Yeah. Which it, television does for writers. Which television. Well, I know. Does yeah. For, yeah. It, it, it's it's pretty amazing uh, that uh, that you know there are some pretty incredibly talented people that do very interesting things given the freedom to do it. Yeah. And if they take it, you know, seriously, and they're they're truly creative, it's amazing. So after Taxi, how long was it before you decided to do motion pictures? Uh, let's see. Taxi took. How long did you drink for? <laughs> uh, we, I, I think we all saw the sun come up together. Yeah. I think so. Oh, so it was just a night. It wasn't extend. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't. No, no, months, no, so. no. I'm a disciplined guy. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> um. Taxi, we started Taxi in the late 70s. I, I, I did my first movie. I took my first movie, I think I did. I took a break from MTM to write a movie which was starting over that I also produced. And, um, and then I went back. And then uh, the director, Alan Pakula, of Starting Over, was offered um, a book, Terms of Endearment, to do. And he uh, he didn't want to do it, and he suggested me for the job. Mm -hmm. And so I, I I read the book, and I think I think at the time, it's certainly... Uh, Pakula did uh, All the President's All Men. All the President's Men, he was, they, and he was my top choice. And I read this book, mm -hmm. and um, Alan, who was terrific and really sort of mentored me, because I... I had written the picture and I was its producer and I was barred from the set the second day of shooting. Starting, starting over. over, yeah. Why? And rightfully so, because of making faces while the actors were working. You know, I, I was the worst thing of, uh, you know, the the line, they wouldn't do the line right and my face would show it. And, and this was your first experience on a movie set? First experience on a movie set. And, and, and Alan took it for two days and then he said, Jim, you can't come to the set anymore. It's not like a director knows everything, but he needs the illusion that he does. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. <laughs> and and then, um, but then he let me in the editing room, and I was fully part of editing the picture, which was a great education. And then he and then he, he he recommended me for this job, and I read the book, and I think at that point, it was the second time in my life that I really cried when I read part of that book. Yeah. I mean, it was the second time. I think I think when uh, I it was not, I was not. So it was an experience for me to cry. Yeah, and I said, "Not I, a crier." I, I said, "I well, at that time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've cheered up four times in this interview. I, yeah. I felt those. I felt it too. Um, uh, and so I, I did it, and um, and it took me four years to to raise the money after I had the script. It was very involved. Yeah, and Grant Tinker. Uh, I I didn't have enough money to take. I I felt it. I felt the picture would be bullshit unless we were on location. Yeah. And um, the and college we, town. We, you mean where was it? No, just Texas. This, oh, this, in general. This was yeah. a book by one of the great Texas writers. And yeah. You're going to do it on a back lot. You're right. starting like you're full of shit. You right. Know? Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, so we were we we were short of the amount of money needed to make it a location picture, and um, and Grant bought it for NBC, pre-bought it for television for NBC. And that was the difference. So we were able to... It would, do you think that was a... Would, did that strike you as a an actual business move or a friend? Oh, help? no. It was absolutely, absolutely, absolutely helping me out. 
And did, that's, that's, this guy's beautiful. This guy's so beautiful. He's your angel. This guy's this beautiful. Tinker. And best looking guy in the world, excellent tennis player. <laughs> you know, just, oh, you know, just yeah, golden, yeah. you know. The opposite of a, a Jewish witty, person. Witty, witty. <laughs> uh, no, no, he was, we, we, I'm telling you, anybody yeah. who, ever, you'll, anybody ever interview or worked with this guy will talk just the way I'm talking. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, yeah. I mean, he's, he's revered. Uh, by yeah, I, yeah. And nobody has anything bad to say about that guy but it's just interesting I just see all these sort of like you know strung out you know kind of neurotic Jewish writers and he's like their, their champion <laughs> yes yes yes, <laughs> yes. yes. but yes. Uh, so Larry McMurtry wrote it did you have a relationship with him great great brief relationship <laughs> yeah uh, he he's he's quirky he's a quirky human being um, he had written a brilliant screenplay himself I felt totally humbled writing about a state that I've never been to before I started doing the research. And I went to see him in Washington, D.C., where he ran a rare bookstore. And by mean, and he's a very prominent writer. Yeah, oh, by yeah. run a Lonesome bookstore, Dove, I mean, like he's at the cash Last register. Picture Show, too, right? Didn't yes, he? Last yeah. Picture Show is his yeah. screenplay. Yeah. And, um, and he's at the cash register of the bookstore. Uh-huh. And I come just to pay homage to I know but if you you know and finally he just said to me look I wrote the book you write the movie (laughs) (laughs) I did a Larry McMurtry impression (laughs) wait a minute I felt pretty good doing that it was good it was solid you (laughs) were in it yeah yeah (laughs) and uh, it was a great gift because I, I I was too What's the, what's the mental version of being tongue tied? I was too, you know, I was too caught up with with his work and trying to do justice to it. And it was a very difficult writing job. I remember it was it was perhaps one of my hardest because at a certain point there was an option of the book and the studio had to buy it and they hadn't seen my script. Uh-huh. And then they bought it and I'm on page 80 of what would at one you know, the first draft was probably 150 pages. And I didn't know where to go. I didn't know how to go forward. And now, now, you know, and, and that's what I felt throughout my life, that you never consciously burn a bridge, but some bastard is blowing up your bridges behind you, sure. as, you as you move forward. Yeah. And I could suddenly I couldn't not be doing Terms of Endearment as a script, and I couldn't figure out how to go forward. And What I, were you stuck on? I, I don't remember. I remember the feeling, and I remember the emotion, and I remember that I went around physically blushing a lot. Yeah. That, that, that you know really blushing and I felt sort of crazy you know doing that and then I was there was one there was one night I was hanging out with some people and one of them was a concert pianist who would who had never had the courage to play New York uh-huh. you know he just right. didn't want to meet that test and uh, and I talked about this and he uh, and he said um, oh I do that I know what it is it's a state of shame and suddenly him putting him giving a name to this condition and for me not feeling like I was the only one who ever huh. went around blushing because they couldn't solve a script, it it I think that freed me up and that gave me the energy to keep I think that was the kick I and, and somehow did, did you at all in that moment like see was it one of those sort of things where you were all of a sudden given a, a lens to look back at your entire life with? That you know that 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 obstacle, that shame that you were so hard on yourself, or that you know what what was it exactly? No, you know, it was just it was it, it, it's it's happened to me since. Yeah, not very often, but it it does happen to me. And um, what is the shame though specifically? 
Well, he, that's the name he gave it. Maybe there's a better name. No, no, I like the name because it, it's <laughs> yeah, like- Yeah, I think it's accurate. I think it is accurate. You you're, know, you're, you're ashamed you're, you're ashamed that you can't solve what's in front of you. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it made me, yeah. That's fucking heavy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you know, shame no. is a weird, paralyzing, oh, almost nebulous thing that has many sources. It's usually wired deep into your being for some reason. And and it and it's like uh, it's like uh, it's stuck in your soul, you know. To overcome it's a powerful thing. Yeah, it's a it's a heavy word. It is. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Were you able to track it? Uh, no, it wasn't. It 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 was project once I, specific. Once I heard, I wasn't the only one to have it. <laughs> right, right. I'm I'm hoping you'll say me too at some point. No, of course. Yeah. Are yeah, you kidding? I'm yeah. in my garage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is a shame temple. This is, a, this is the best I could do, Jim. <laughs> I'm going to walk into it every day. I live here. But, uh, all right, so you got through that, and you executed the script, and you did the movie, and, and what was, like, because that was a pretty astounding ensemble, and that movie was a, a devastating but uplifting movie somehow. Uh, it, this is it. The, my take on the movie was that I, I was doing a comedy, and my definition of comedy is that people laugh frequently while watching it, and nobody nobody remembers that's what the movie was. And I got it, and and but I was in in the previews. I'm clocking laughs. I mean, I was you know, I just, yeah. That, that was that's your training. Oh, and and including, <laughs> I said to myself, I had to get a because cancer was such a horrible word then when uh -huh. we made the movie that I just I just had this. I got to get a laugh on the word cancer. How do I do it? And it's sort of built into the script. It's you know, and you do, and people are yeah, surprised. Yeah, yeah. But they're laughing at the word. They're laughing at the word cancer, and you're sort of on the side of the experience when you do it. The way it worked in the script, you know, it was so amazing because Deborah Winger was uh, was the, the the daughter. Yeah, Shirley MacLaine was the mother. Yeah. it's, it's a, basically a mother daughter story. I I, I I I I created the character of. Jack Nicholson for the movie. He Made wasn't in the, book. in the book. He wasn't in the book. Uh, and and that was what was the casting on this like? I mean, it, was it like television? Well, did you have to go through a lot of people? Did you attach these people pre I, before? You know, it's like it was murder to get Jack. Uh, Deborah was very important to getting any financing at all. Um, and she's you know, and she helped me get Jack. She, yeah, she was like amazing at at that point. You know, and. Um, and surely, I, I interviewed every actress of the right age, yeah. I think, that you could think of. Right. You know, usually we'd go out to lunch or something. I, every, all, because, uh, you know, it, it was even more shameful then, uh, to, to, you know, that the parts for women, major, major roles for women. And then somebody called me uh, and suggested Shirley. And I remember we were both, we, we both, for some reason, we both stood when we when we had the discussion at the end when we were you know just the kind of getting to know your conversation we had yeah. then we stood up when we stood up at the end instead of looking at each other and standing looking at each other we both stood side by side looking at the wall not facing each other and she said this can be important and uh and it was like a strange you know woo woo moment you know <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> and, and surely she, god knows has her woo woo yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. Um, and then she killed. And what? And what? When you say it was, uh, some I mean, because at that point, Jack. I mean, what? What year are we looking at? Nineteen eighty. So, 
he had done a lot of his major movies and what, what makes it something what makes it difficult to get somebody like him to embrace a role like that because it was a little against type for him at the time i think i think you know he's it's yeah it's a, it's an unknown person me with right. uh with a s- re- relatively small budget picture yeah uh though healthy enough to go on location um you know, no, it's just, yeah, and a it's supporting just, role. Right. Well, it was just interesting because I don't remember if I read it. I, I assume I read it because I don't know that I could be this in, intuitive about that role as a as a as an a former astronaut. That did you direct him to be sort of constantly looking up at the moon? <laughs> it's so so interesting. We're filming, and he's an astronaut in yeah. the picture, and a retired uh, astronaut. Uh, yes, a retired yeah. astronaut, and. The plane's fl- a plane's flying over. Yeah, and everybody's waiting for me to say cut. Yeah, but we had a very tight budget. Right, 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 <laughs> you know? right. Sure. So, so, so it's like the sound man's looking and stuff like that, and Jack just plays an interest in planes and looks up at the plane and plays the moment, you know. Yeah, and I think that's what you're talking about. <laughs> and man, he was like, uh, he he he'd come up to me at the at the end of the the day, and that's so great. You say you want to know the worst direction you gave today, and he tell me the worst direction I gave. You, you want to know the best direction? It was like heaven. He's you know? helping you out. It was it, he. It's just it was fantastic, man. It was fantastic. And you guys did fantastic. three movies together. Three yeah, movies. Yeah, I mean he's the you know. I once won an argument about at the, at the time when when it was about whether Dustin Hoffman or Jack Nicholson was the best actor alive, and I won the argument by saying that Jack could do either role in The Odd Couple. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was like it was phenomenal for movie fans to see him do different things. Even when I was a kid, and when that came out, that you know, when you're a movie fan as a kid, you love these guys. You know, you got your guys, and and you know, to see him, you know, like in your movie or in Pritzi's Honor or anything that you know got him out of being Jack. You know, where you know he would have to adjust his talent as an actor to do a role that wasn't you know McMurtry. Do you yes, know what I mean? Yes, yes. Or The Shining. Yes. It was a fascinating thing for me. Yes. To see him really work as an yes. actor. And his comic talent is, is, is you know. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's great. The balance that you were able to sort of do, you know, which I think you probably learned in your, some, because, you know, when you were doing television, you, it, you didn't shy away from things. So the balance of cancer and comedy and something as heartbreaking as somebody dying at the end of a movie who is your main character and having that still their strength there through your other characters. I mean, that, you know, that was a, you know, I, I'm, I guess I'm just, you know, going to blow And everybody's seeing it without an audience. It's not a comedy. Everybody's seeing it without an audience. But yeah. with an audience, it was like, it played great. Well, no, you had to have the comedy to balance yeah. with that story. Yeah. What's yeah. the story? A young woman who's got a, a, a philandering, emotionally <laughs> uh, suppressed husband and an overly protective lunatic mother dies of cancer. If you were to pitch that, it wasn't quite our log line, but it's accurate. <laughs> yeah. But you know, was it that that was a phenomenal uh, uh, yeah. event to make a mainstream? It was a comedy, and then again, you know, when you did broadcast news, I mean, that's a romantic comedy, as my friend Lynn Shelton says, where where nobody gets who they want. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. You know, uh, that that was another heavy, you know, hearted yeah. process. Yeah. But where did that movie come from? Was that something that, that just hang, you know just just cooling out after terms of endearment and just traveling around and um, and just saying it'll it'll you know I'll, I'll figure out what I want to do next and you know you do have at that point you have the opportunity to get something done if you want to do it because uh, terms have been successful and um, and I and a friend of mine got me into the 
political conventions. And there I hung out with some reporters, and that's where I got my story and the idea for it. And I'd always been a news know, guy, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd always been. And then, and then it was trying to do a romantic comedy where you weren't stacking the deck so everybody was rooting for one guy or the other, and you just saw what happened. And we shot it in continuity, and I did think that at the end of it I'd be able to resolve a romance, yeah, and I and between I, Holly Hunter and Albert Brooks. Well, no, the only way you could go is with Bill Hurt. That's the only way you could go. I and, think. and Holly Hunter. Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, and and I I actually went back, you know, because it was it was a perverse ending, and I went back and 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 shot. Um, oh, this is a. I there was a French film that at the end the the classic French successful film where the, the, the two star-crossed lovers, the guy gets off the train at the end, and yeah. there she is waiting, yeah. and and that's the end, of the, and they go to each other. And then I read that what the director had done is that the guy didn't know the the actress was going to be standing there, uh -huh. and they improvised it, so it was genuine. So I went nuts, and I said, let's, and I said, let's mm -hmm. do a reshoot where we do that. And I told Holly uh, Hunter that we we're going to put her in a cab. We had to redo the part where she leaves the airport. At the last minute, Bill Hurt was going to get in the cab. We were going to film it. Yeah. Right? We were going to film it. And they, and I knew they were each good enough to where something was going to happen uh -huh. that would solve me not having An a ending. perverse ending for the movie. <laughs> yeah. And then just before he opened the door, somebody said, hi, Bill, and blew it. And I went out of body. I mean, I don't know what happened for the next 10 minutes. Uh, the, the people and with rage. Because it's a. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I was inside it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, and then we talked, and they did something, and we put together a scene. And later on, people told me I should end the movie with that scene. Who saw it? But it was it, it, once I had that goal. You know how crazy you get. Yeah. Um. So it ended the way it ended. Yeah. It's heavy. It was, yeah. yeah, it was a little painful because you know. I a, believe it was truthful. By the way, I think the no, no, I think that's truthful. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I yeah. think it was the the yeah. the right emotional yeah. way to yeah. go. Yeah, for re that's the thing about the, about the way you balance where the comedy becomes invisible because the the characters are so well formed, and it's so interesting for the actors when they're not trying to stack the deck. Right. When you can go into each scene and not try and reach some. And that, and I think that was a big sort of fairly serious. The first one for Albert, right, where he really had to you know carry a movie to some oh, degree. Man, he was great. Man. He's great. He's great. Where, how far back does your relationship go? Because my Lots. only point of reference for you was you know his producer in Modern Romance was that role. Were you the? Were, were, didn't you play the producer or the uh, director? The director, right, right. <laughs> That's right. So you were the director he, guy. He, he told me so. Do this for me. It'll be fun. And you were hilarious, though. It was a fourth billing, man. Yeah. <laughs> you were hilarious. <laughs> and I'd be the wor I was the world's. I was. I was a director's nightmare. I'd say, "Let me do it again." I'd be at his trailer before he got there in the morning. Listen, I have this idea. <laughs> and but until you stand on that side of the camera, you the vulnerability of that, you know, and um, and you know, and and you see why people have director approval in their contracts. I mean, yeah. you're you're. I mean, you you feel you haven't gotten, and somebody's saying move on. You're so, and I always consider it a blessing that I, you know, that you got to do that. Yeah, that I got to because you learned the other side. Because I felt it. Yeah, not, not learned it, but felt it. Uh huh. 
this sort of heartbreak of like, oh, oh just, just, you know, just, I can't, can't just, do exactly what I want to yeah, do. Like, I could give me one more. You right, know? right, right. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. you know. And how? What if you... we did this? And I was that guy. Right, you know? right, right, right. Sure, sure. <laughs> Following the director, the sure. day's over. Yeah. I... The nuisance. You were <laughs> yeah, the nuisance. Yeah, yeah. How did you get to know Albert? What was that? We, we always in the in the early seventies. Rob Reiner and Penny Marshall were married and had a house in the valley mm-hmm. and like 15 or 20 of us got that you know single people right. you know we would always end up there they hanging would be out like every night you know Albert genius you know just doing amazing and people you know people doing great stand up in, in that living room Harry Sherrod would be oh, yeah? playing straight and yeah yeah god that must have <laughs> been a blast though it was um, fun right it's people when we did when we did uh, broadcast news People always thought we were fighting, and we were just right. doing our friendship right. all doing, the time. Yeah. You know, that's doing what it was. Stick. Yeah. And then, um, well, then, like again, with Jack Nicholson as a Dan Rather character, right? And yes. then, um, and then you did uh, "I'll Do Anything" was the next movie, right? But that was after with, The Simpsons. With that Al- was later. With Albert again. Yeah. 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 And and did you? Because those terms of endearment broadcast news were like huge movies. Now, as you like make movies, when when things don't go as well as you want, box office wise, how does that affect you? Uh, deeply, yeah, uh, deeply. It's uh, and and I'll do anything. I did it as a musical, and then we had, I guess it was the worst professional experience of my life. Yeah, um, because on our first preview, I thought we were in because I never, you know, I, and I had I had made some critical mistakes. I think, like I thought. You know, I I just love actors so much. I'm not going to worry about their singing voices. I'm going to judge the performances, everything. Yeah. And um and I work with Prince and I work with Sinead O'Connor and mm-hmm. I work with Talia Tharp. It was amazing. I worked with these amazing people on this musical. And then when we previewed it, the first number and you know, I was sweating the first number. And after the first number happens, it's we got them and you know we're getting our laughs. And I and my editor and I give each other a thumbs up. And then it went so downhill. And then they were laughing, as your mother one, might have told you, at at, yeah, yeah, <laughs> at the yeah, movie instead yeah. of with it. And then uh, people started to leave. And, and, and this uh, is in a test screening? First test screening on the lot. Ugh. You know, the end of privacy. And now, but it gets it gets worse from here. Yeah. And uh, I called everybody in and I apologized to them. You know, all the people have been working in post-production that, yeah. that I had led them to this path. And let's get to work tomorrow and figure out what to do. Next day, L.A. Times writes about the screening I had, uh-huh. and they assign a reporter to go to every screening. So everything, all my, all my, all my attempts to pull the movie together and screening it again, everything was written about like a series, and Ugh. it was horrible. Talk oh about a god. state of shame. Talk about a state of shame. Oh my god! It, yeah, it was it was brutal. Um, and finally, the and everything public, and so we were notorious. We were the musical that had cut most of the music out, uh, and and it was you know there were clearly holes in the thing that was released. I think the heart was true. I think there were performances there, but, but, you it, got but it was but it was as bad as it was. You know, you can have a failure and it opens and closes. Right. This was dragged out for, because, for before months. it even got there before, before it, even it got, got there and, and and you know they, they, when it got there it was an anti-climax I sure couldn't, i couldn't tell you anything okay. I, all people wrote about was the fact you know where's the music and then because i'd been through such a horrible experience 
and I knew everybody, not everybody, but I'm not the only person who's had, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's common to, to, to have great disappointments. Yeah. It's a common experience. Yeah. So I wanted to do a documentary about that experience. <laughs> And I wanted, I wanted to just, I thought it would be great for somebody to be able to see, yeah. okay, the guy's still walking and he went through that. This is the, and, your, your way to overcome a, a shame that was not, that you couldn't I, contain it. And I started to get excited about it because yeah. I thought, I thought I'd, I'd do the story, we yeah. did the documentary, yeah. and I'd say, and here's the movie they, they saw right, that right. night. Is, and show, and show the first thing I previewed. Prevent the, and, present the film. And show the first, yes. It, and, it could and, only be and, sold and, as a, double, yeah. a double feature. Yeah. The, the, and, the documentary. And the, the, it would be a short documentary. It would be, but I, <laughs> I thought, I'm excited now. Tell it, I'm pitching you. Yeah. I'm excited now. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the, the, the reasonable end for a story. It's like James Brooks has done an amazing thing. He, he created a, a documentary disclaimer. For not, not even. I was no. I was totally responsible. It wasn't yeah. my responsibility. It was a claimer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, like you've been led wrong, you, you've been led to believe the wrong things about this film. But uh, and that judge for yourself. Uh, and a uh, Prince, we couldn't clear the music rights with Prince and to to the songs that he had done. And that so that's, for the film, yeah, for the film. Let, let me just ask you a basic question. I don't always understand the, and I don't know if I've been in a position to ask it because I don't. I haven't talked to that many directors who have done this. What what were you thinking by doing a musical at that time in in the world? I mean, what was it? You know, you'd made two huge films, and um, I just don't. I I I I I wanted to do the truth about Hollywood. I wanted to do the truth about Hollywood, and I thought the best way to do the truth about Hollywood was to make it a musical. That was my thinking. Um, I wanted to do the heroism of a work-a-day journeyman but talented character actor. Uh-huh. I wanted to do, I mean, I had real reasons. I wanted to, it, movie testing was in there. I, I do think I, I do think I, I, you know, in there is is a real observation of the business at that right. time. I, sure. I, I think it's a disjoint, I think that's still, if I went to look at it today, which I'm not doing, yeah. I, th- I, I would think that's in there. I would think that a, a real honesty and reporting about Hollywood at that time you know, but were you a fan of musicals? Uh, yeah, I was fa- theater. You know, I was a theater. But, but fan. was it something? I'm not a musical guy. But no. was it was it something about the the history of Hollywood and the popularity of musicals that led you to to try to to do that form? No, I just thought since Hollywood is larger than life, I needed a larger than life form to huh. do the truth. Huh. That's what I, I mean. That was my thinking. I'm not defending it. This any, that's interesting. You know. Isn't it interesting to you in retrospect? Ah. Uh, I mean, because it's like, it's such a challenging What's thing. What's interesting to me, yeah, in retrospect, I got one letter from somebody who'd seen it and who was the uh, offspring of a famous Broadway composer uh-huh. and said, my father always said the key to doing a musical was keep the plot as simple as possible, uh-huh. which I had not done, certainly. And, and nor had I done, you know, nor, and I should have honored, I mean, I should have had, you know, I, I made key mistakes clearly. Right. But but you know you live and learn right you did all right, I did all right. <laughs> no, it's it, you know you you pay you pay you pay the dues. It's you know you your question initially was there's there is a recovery process absolutely. And let's we should we need to talk about the Simpsons because that's certainly the the, uh, the 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 no recovery needed yet there. N- yeah. No, I, I mean did it's you have just, could it, you ever imagined? Yeah. I mean, okay. So let's start with Tracy Ullman. So you you find her as a talent. You wanted to work with her. Some, 
somebody sent me her, her agent at the time, Martha Luttrell, sent yeah. me sent me her tape, and and you're knocked out. And people love you're that show. Out. You're knocked out. She, I mean, you know, it's like you know, a, a genius in the same way Andy was a genius. Yeah. Um, nobody. I mean, very few people saw the show. I mean, it's but uh, but I mean, I mean, but it had a serious cult following in the sense that like you yeah, you could we, you couldn't. Uh, she was undeniably unique. She, and and we were doing a half. It was crazy. We, yeah. We 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 screwed around. It was a brand new network. You know, we we were doing a half hour variety show. Right. We would have an audience there, and it would take us three hours to do this half hour. So we'd have to keep on replacing the audience because her makeup and prosthetics took so much time between the sketches that mm -hmm. we did. So it was brutally hard to do. And she was one night while I'm doing the show, I have a knock at the door, and I open the door, and there's an African American guy standing there, yeah, and talking to me about being lost and stuff like that. It was a weird conversation. And the conversation keeps on going on. It was sort of bizarre. And then suddenly the the guy says, Jim, it's Tracy. <laughs> that's that's how great she is, man. That's how great she is. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So the Groening had just done these how did that relationship start? So when we did the Tracy Ullman show, uh, we thought that we should try and cram entertainment every place. We were doing we were doing things like laughing and in space and yeah. And yeah. So we thought the bumpers that usually, you know, just mm -hmm. before you go to commercial. I remember, we, yeah. We do these 30-second animations. and From um, Life in Hell. And I, I, somebody had, I got a great gift from, from Polly Platt, who worked with me on Terms of Endearment, after Terms of Endearment, of, of an original Matt Groening panel from Life in Hell, mm -hmm. where the eight ways to die in Hollywood, you know, one was freeway shootings or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The last two were failure and success, mm -hmm. you know? You're right. And it was, and I had it up and I loved it. So I called him in when it came time and we called somebody else in. He came to my office not wanting to do Life in Hell as a, as a, as a. And he had not done any live animated stuff, like no, any no, movie, no, it was no, all panels. Not at all. Yeah. And, uh, and he came in to see me and, and he didn't want to do Life in Hell. So, in my outer office, in minutes, he basically came up with The Simpsons. In like five minutes, he basically came up with them, basically came up with the thought. And we did it. And What um, he just said is the family? I forget what, I forget yeah. what the, the, the pitch was, and I, I remember some of the early pieces. And uh, if you see them now, it's look it's it's like you ever saw Steamboat Willie. It sort of looks like it sort of it sort of looks like <laughs> With the, crude, the, the crude right. beginnings of those right. characters. That's not quite the Mickey Mouse we know. <laughs> yes, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, and um, and then and then we had these huge waits for the audience, as I as I said. Yeah. So as as we were on, we were on for about five years. We gather a lot of these things, and we yeah. start to show them to the audience during the waits of the warm-up. Just back man. to back. Yeah, back yeah. to back, and and they killed. Uh -huh. And uh, and then and then there was one, there was a Christmas party we had where uh, our animator who had d done those, yeah, uh, got drunk and cornered me, and and when he cornered me, he just told me the passion of all all animators to have an animation television show on there hadn't been one right. for 25 years yeah. and it just knocked me out how you know how his yeah. eyes shone with this and um and we did it and that was the story huh yeah and you brought sam sam and myself and matt and when, and you thought when you brought sam and was he wasn't working for you at the time but you knew he was the we guy we had worked together a lot right we had worked together right. a lot and he he had done saturday morning animation uh-huh so he was he bridged oh, both right. worlds yeah 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 
and and it was and and what 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 we had for the first two years was we won't tell anybody who the actors are no publicity on the actors we want them to experience this as real we want them to know we're not doing a cartoon you know we were we we had so many rules about that we were paranoid on the subject and we were going to do character we we're going to do the kind of we were still going to do the kind of you know and 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 we had rules that we wouldn't go too far you know matt had rules you know and and one of the things I think that happened is graining had rules about what what uh, you can't go into space, you can't, you know, just oh, how, far, how far you go. Right, you yeah. to keep this. And and he and he he'd say brilliant things. He'd say this should be a tele- this should be a te- family on television that watches television. We knew we were doing dysfunctional family. We knew we were doing that. We we knew, you know and uh, but you wanted to keep the emotions human. We wanted them to be believable characters. Right. That, but but to to a paranoid extent. And and held to it for two years, and and then started to let go of all our rules uh-huh. bit by bit. We still have some, but I think that was that that was that. But was that just to be because for story reasons more than believed. anything else? We wanted them to believe the characters, right? But the once they were established wanted. after years and years, you like, know, well, you, you can't. The actor it was becoming big, right. too big to contain on a certain level. Yeah, and and. Um, there's none of us who don't appreciate it every day. There are many of us who have been there since the beginning. There are lots of us who have been there for a while. And also, but it, it, as a training ground for amazing comedic yes, yeah. talent and actors yeah. and Bird, writers. Brad Bird came, yeah, yeah, yeah. Conan, Brad Bird, yeah, yeah. I mean, like they, yeah. like The Simpsons is the gold standard of comedy writing. That, it, it, But it, I guess it, it's interesting to me that having created these, these sort of seminal, you know, live... Uh, non-animated shows around comedic characters and, and, and human emotions and stuff. Was there, in you now, looking at The Simpsons and the amazing uh, impact it's had on culture and continues to have, I mean, does that, does that in your mind, has the power of, of, of uh, you know, real um, people in, in their capacity to generate comedy and, and emotions and comedy? Has that been diminished somehow culturally? No, it's because it's unique. It's 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 I icon- you know I, I I I it's we're all we're all small parts of this final thing that's iconic. Which iconic is a weird deal. It's yeah, weird. Yeah, and and there's a language about it. So it's we all it's a sense of service. It's like we're working in the Vatican or something. Right. It was for the, it Simpsons, was, the Church it's, it's of Simpsons. Overall, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, there right. is there. I mean, you know, the, we 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 care enormously when we did the movie, you know. It, the movie was the toughest damn script, one of the toughest damn scripts we ever did, or any of us because ever of did. the pressure you put on yourselves. I think we were white knuckled, and and the whole thing with the Simpson is you're screwing around, you're, right, you're right. loose, and we were white knuckled, and 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 had to had to break through that. Uh-huh. And we had to get to the point with something we cared about so much to write as if we didn't give a shit. Right. You know. That, right. That, that was. Yeah. 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 Challenging. Yeah, yeah. It took us. It took us a while. It, it, but yeah, yeah. Did you? Were you able to at some point uh, break loose? Uh, you know, in the writing process. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. And were you all conscious of the fact that the reason why you were having a difficult- yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> but what do you do about that? Don't be nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous. Somebody right, says right. to you. Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> okay. Thanks. And your company, uh, the Gracie Films Company. You know, you've worked with. You know, obviously, we put out your movies and the Simpsons movies, but. You know, it, the, you did Cameron Crowe's t- two very big movies for him. Yeah, and and uh, we, we did Bottle Rocket, 
and just Wes now, Anderson, yeah, yeah, and and which were first time writer directors, and I'm doing it for the third time right now. He said, yeah, and um, and we're in post production on that, which is interesting. Well, what's your relationship with Cameron like? I mean, how much, how involved were you with the with Jerry Maguire and say anything? Uh, in terms of like, yeah. did he come to you and go like, how do I fix this? You seem like a it fixer was, to me. It wasn't. Uh, or yeah, can you help me out with this moment, with this scene? What he? It ex- was. It was much more informal than that. We just, we just must have talked a million hours. Yeah. I mean, it just, but not, but not in any conscious way. I mean, it was just, you know, he. The thing that, the thing that, that I respect so much, and what's really fun for me is that with Cameron, with Wes, with uh, the young woman I'm working with right now. Um, they have voices. They're distinctive. They're mm-hmm. distinctive writers, mm-hmm. and it's fun for me to get out of myself and try and help. Their and that's thing, a and that's a rare thing. thing. Is a that voice, a, ra- yeah. a voice? Yeah, yeah. Especially if you get if you, uh, it, it's. I think it's something that you must see too in in staff writing for television that there is a system that gets ingrained that can diminish voice sometimes. Yes. So yeah. this is exciting. You don't want to mention this director's name, or yeah, it? yeah, yeah. What's her name? Yeah, Kelly Fremont Craig. I mean, yeah. I just don't want to be semi-plugging or something. When's like. the movie come out? Uh, it'll it'll come out in the fall. It'll come out in the fall, and she's and she and she wrote a distinctive heroine, and she um, and she spent she she served her time on it, and and, uh, and she has a real voice. This 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 girl the girl in the movie talks like not quite like anybody you've seen before, and. Um, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, and I, I don't want to, like I feel like we're we're winding down, but I want to do I, I do want to talk a minute about as good as it gets because that was uh, uh that was like that was his movie, right? I did a year's rewrite on a on a very terrific script, uh, written by somebody else, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and it, so I I feel like it was you know it was like it was like we were writing partners, but we didn't work at the same time. It was, you know, one of the great openings, I think, for a comedy where a man takes a dog and puts it down a garbage chute. And uh, and that's the opening of the picture. And that was the opening of the picture that I set out to rewrite, and that still is the opening of the picture. And, um, and Jack was the only person on earth that could play it, I believe. Because yeah. before I had him, I had to think of anybody, and and you know, and I just thought maybe, but it would be different. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 but but, and I think that's true more often than any of us can face. Yeah. Where to do the thing you have in your head, you know, as you go down the list a little, it's no longer the thing you had in your head. Right, it'll right. Be that. Sure. It'll be something else, and maybe some, and you know, every once in a while, something better than you had in your head. Right. But but in this case, I felt that was the only man who could, the only man who could do it. Greg Kinnear. Who now? I, I, I'm going to say. How, you tell me how I sound telling you telling you this. Okay. Um, I couldn't begin to guess the number of people I read for Greg Kinnear's role. I couldn't be great actors, mm-hmm. but just that that right tone that mm-hmm. that tone that you take for granted that tone that looks so simple yeah. that Greg brought to it. Yeah. And um, which was a, 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 an honesty, a just just a, a simplicity. And brilliant, and 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 just elegant comedy moves instead of, you know, and yeah. and 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 the range of actors, dramatic actors, comedy actors, names, yeah. you know, forty people I respect like crazy and would be a pleasure to work with. Yeah, couldn't nail that. Helen Hunt, who was doing a series at the time, 
only one who could do it. In my mind, only one who could do it, you know. Yeah. And 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 to work the schedule of her doing the movie and the series at the same time, it just it, it was mind bending. Yeah. But we but we did it. Yeah. And uh, and I think it needed all of that. It needed all that, and it needed a dog trainer who was treated with great respect and who was who who helped us author the performance of the dogs yeah. in the movie. It's tough with I animals, mean, huh? It, uh, I mean, not if you if you do it that way, it's not. Yeah. You're, if you're waiting around for the dog to do it, but if you really, really give give the dog the time you give an actor, yeah, it gets less tough. <laughs> dog was pivotal dog, <laughs> pivotal dog. Yeah, the one did this, one did that. <laughs> it's like casting babies; you got to have a couple. They ought to look alike. Yeah. So in it, in it paid off. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, War. Of the, I don't. Did you ever see War of the Roses? Yeah. Okay. So it's sort of War of the Roses. I, I take. You know, Michael Leeson, uh, he was the writer there. Danny directed it. I think it was one of the darkest comedies. And I, I, I it's I love that. I love that we did a major studio black comedy. Yeah, yeah. You know? Doesn't happen too often. Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 you know, and I think it is a classic one. I may take Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And 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 as good as it gets, um had to have elements of that. Uh had to had to get really dark in order to earn a heart you right. know yeah yeah you know, yeah that's right you had a, you yeah had, yeah yeah it took had, a while that's yeah, right yeah, yeah yeah and riding that edge that jack had arrived yeah was i think the most difficult thing in his career and and it was murder for me and and i could not help him at a certain point all i was doing was saying no that's not it driving him crazy to get the turn to to get the to thread the needle to not be too angry to not be right, right. that sick fuck you know yeah, to, yeah. To, to yeah to, to not be doing that and I mean, maybe to, his own frustration and the relaxation of the frustration is what what murder he was going crazy yeah. i mean but i mean i'm telling you where it was it was bending him bending me and there was one day um we were doing a scene and 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 i think that movie would have maybe not been finished if we hadn't been good friends I mean, I it was oh, really? it was it was yeah. really a test. Yeah. And then there was one day, and this you know where it was just we were batting our heads against the wall, and um and it wasn't working. And I I heard myself sending the crew home. This is with like four or five hours left to shoot. Yeah. We're on a huge soundstage. Larry Kasdan was there doing uh doing as an actor and I remember feeling so lonely when I saw Larry leave <laughs> behind those huge doors <laughs> that closed like with this slam. You yeah, know? yeah. And the door slammed and it was Jack and I alone on this um stage. I have no idea what we said to each other. We talked for three hours the next day everything was okay and we had the character. And I have no idea what we said to each other. Huh. And his story his story about it I come off much worse. <laughs> his his story is that I kept on saying too angry, too angry, too angry. Yeah. And then and then in one scene he absolutely exploded and I said, That's it. <laughs> but he exploded. But it could have been something like that. I understand that it could have been his experience. I exploded in anger, but it was just it's you can't name it. And what is your, uh, you know, I just, I've, I, I forgot to bring this up, but like what's, you know, Judd speaks very highly of you. Do you, do you advise him at all ever? Oh, 
No, I don't think any. I mean, I, I don't think anybody advises his job. I just like uh, to see you as a Buddha who uh, uh, yeah, is sought yeah. out. To no, add no. To... I, I think I, I think there was. I I admire Judd. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think Judd's great. I think, um, and I love. I sort of one of the things I admire is that he that he tends to give his scripts out, ask for notes. Usually, everybody's note is the same. It's too yeah. long. Yeah, and he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I really do admire that. It makes him a real filmmaker. It makes him a real, you know, it makes him a yeah. real individual writer. He's, yeah. And he's and he's and he has a, he has a way of doing movies. Like I think we'll be reading about the way he did movies for you know decades. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, I mean, he's a good guy. Well, the interesting thing about you too, in in relation to some of the other um, you know mogully people I've talked to. Oh, what a word! Yeah. <laughs> But it seems that, you know, you're, you're still, like, I think that, you, you know, whatever has happened with The Simpsons and however you're engaged with that, both creatively and, and, and what you've been able to, to get from it financially, it has, has enabled you to be very selective and, and do exactly, I don't, you don't feel to me as a guy that's like, we got to do more movies. No, no, it's never been like that. Yeah. It's never been, it's never, no, it's never get big. It's never, it's never been anything like that. But where I am spoiled is, you know, it's always been my fault because I, I I've been I've been getting to do what I want for a while. Mm-hmm. So you know everything that's wrong is my fault. Right, right. And and, and I'm I'm privileged to be able to say that. Well, that's a, that's you know that's the risk you take is sort of like your production company is not so big where you can throw a, a, a producer who's working for you under the bus or, or you know no it's, or, no, it's it's always been yeah like, it, 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 every picture is intimate every picture is like a, it's done with the spirit of an the spirit of this thing we the, the spirit with what we just did we're all going nuts we're passionate um, uh, I I I do believe in the Simpsons when we work in the Simpsons we we are into it we you know we're serving something bigger than ourselves and you know yeah yeah and that feeling is there and yeah you know. yeah. Um, Judd I had on here years ago and he had uh, when he was in high school he had recorded several interviews with comedians you know and and you also did something like that did no. you you didn't interview when you were in high school is that oh a- I did oh I did I did okay yeah I like I did I I was as I told you that my high school yeah. life and stuff but well, the we didn't one get thing, that into it so not on, not only was I somebody that you know wasn't exactly um uh, a social hit. Yeah. Uh, but my picture was on the front page of the newspaper every week because I got interviews. I got interviews nobody could get from my high school paper. And as the person who got them, they always took a picture of the person you're interviewing and yeah. me. Yeah. So this this guy that you know, you know, just a little bit social. So so the high school stars weren't getting their pictures right. in the paper. Right. My picture was in. Well, the what were you, how were you doing this? Who were you interviewing? Uh, I, I'm trying to remember. Louis, my favorite was Louis Armstrong. I interviewed Louis Armstrong. And you were a kid? You were like 15? 15, 16, yeah. How did yeah. you get the interview? Like, what was the I, premise? I, I don't know how I did those things. But was he playing at a theater in Jersey? He was, playing, or what? he was playing at the Paramount Theater in New York City. Uh-huh. And Louis Armstrong. Yeah. And, and I, I, I wish I had that picture now. I wish I had that picture now. And I and I asked him. A, I thought I asked him a great question. Yeah. That I don't think anybody had ever asked him before. I'm bragging. Yeah. Uh, I asked him. To, you tell me. You'll you'll be honest with me. How do you take care of your lips? Yeah. And what it's made a great it, question. 
What, well, the ants are made it a great question because he starts to produce creams and ointments and tells me about the the the, the thing he has to go through before the performance. Yeah, yeah, and it's and I I I I I have sense memory of it. That's so uh, that's you getting tingles now. Yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you were backstage he, at the Paramount? Because he was really Louis Armstrong. Yeah, he, yeah. Like, the only one. But I mean, and, and that's who he was, who we, you know, that's yeah, who yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a whole system. Yeah, and I just, and I, I've told my kids, I shake my kids' hand, and I said, you're connected now to, to Louis yeah, Armstrong. Yeah, you yeah. loved Louis Armstrong. Yeah, 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 still do. Yeah, he was something, yeah, huh? yeah. Yeah. What drove you to do this? Journalism or the the need to be on the f- cover of the paper or like no, in- no, 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 believe me. I wish they would have run it a few times. I, yeah. I got lumps for it. Yeah. Um I don't know. I don't know. I I, I driven is the wrong word. Um I did it. It was it was the only I did it. Yeah. But it serves as a great, you know, testament to uh to sort of balls, and also you learn things, right? Well, I like balls. Yeah. <laughs> and you're good. You feel good? You want to talk about, is there something that I missed? I know there's a lot there. No, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid it was no good because I enjoyed myself so much. So it can't be. <laughs> and except I, I, it, there's a certain point I, I go back to, mm-hmm. you know, it's great. I, I won't be doing this again. <laughs> really? Why? I don't think so. No, because it's, it's, it's gets, you know, I don't know. It's being the moment, you know, that's what stuff. I I love your job, man. I love your job. Yeah, yeah. Don't you love it? Yeah. I well, the thing about me is that like, if I don't talk to somebody, because I you know I don't once once we're done here, you know, I will put this uh, in a can, and my my producer and business partner and genius uh, editor, you know, will 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 take it from there. All I'm going to have is this, and like I get so attached to these conversations with people that you know it it it, it helps me uh, as a person. And I. You and Terry Gross were, and I think, <laughs> that's and, crazy. And, I think and, and, and there are several examples of this. I think I forget the woman who was on your show that you were clearly flirting with. That was sort of great. But sometimes, all of them, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, and it was great to hear. But but sometimes it it, it becomes an um, I'm, I'll just say it because it's true. It becomes an art form. There's nobody I spoke to who who really knows Terry Gross's work, who didn't hear that interview. And feel the revelation of who she was as a human being. Beautiful and thing. And, and she's been on stages before, and she's been interviewed before, lots, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 the the your being able to talk about the challenge of interviewing Obama, the experience afterwards, but still, when you did it, yeah, that man, you you did it, yeah, you you did it, yeah, it was, you crazy. know, and it was different than anything he'll ever do, you know, it was, and yeah, it is, yeah, and, you know. I, the thing with Terry, you know, was it was amazing. It was an amazing. Yeah, you, you, you were, it must have been a high. It, it was one of the most amazing yeah, experiences yeah. of my life. Yeah, yeah because it yeah. just couldn't have. Like I was, it, it it made me proud that I was able to respect her. You know, because I, you know, it, it, oh, in, great man. In my life, you know, I've gone through periods where I do, I, you know, I was too self-involved or too cynical to have that the humility enough to 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 really respect what was happening and it was like a big sort of rites of passage for me that you know like that that i'd, I'd somehow become a a, a a a decent person in in having that conversation with her you know does that make sense decency is a great ambition <laughs> <laughs> thanks for talking to me, man. okay okay pleasure james brooks 
James L. Brooks. What an amazing career. I hope you enjoyed that. Don't forget to check out WTFPod.com, powered by Squarespace, for all your WTF pod needs. How would that be? Huh? All right. Shall I play us out? Boomer 